Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Oh, come on, Jalen Ramsey. What about a new news drop? We need something else. Hope you're feeling better. And uh, I guess we'll have to wait until Wednesday to see if he's back in practice. A little quiet on the Jalen Ramsey front for the first time in a long time. And we've talked to six consecutive days about number 20, and rightfully so. We'll talk a little bit more about him in terms of how it looks as the future. But uh, nothing new to report on the Jalen Ramsey front here on a Tuesday. Brent Martineau, and we are on the road once again at Streamsong Resort. And if you don't know much about this place, I'll tell you about this place as the show goes on. If you live in the state of Florida, you have to come see this place. If you love golf, you really have to see this place. It's one of the great destinations in the entire world, not just in Florida, not just in the United States, but in the entire world. So I'll tell you a little bit about that. We won't talk much about my golf game, but I might have played a little bit of golf today along with Stuart. Weber. So we are here a few hours away from Jacksonville and uh, back in the studios, Action Sports Jacks, Austin Lane. Scott's there as well because Coos is in my Texas at some convention or trying to get smarter or, or trying to get a little better at his job. I don't know what it is. Coos is doing those Coos things. Absolutely, Scott. Good to have you, man. It's been a while. Happy to be back with you, brother. And uh, I just love the fact that I want to know how the ego of Austin Lane is right now because I talked to you before I even heard or said anything to Austin. Oh, the, the, the Eagle's fine, man. I mean, we have Pueblo Tropico delivering today, so we're all good on my end right now. I'm not stressing at all. That's good. For yeah. a minute there, I didn't know if I was going to hear you. Uh, you oh, no, you're you, all you good. Got, you, no coos, no me, and uh, you got a little free food drop. I got a little like. free food drop. In case anybody was wondering about my son, he is sick for day two. So, yes, it is going around. <laughs> uh, he is he is in bed again. It's uh, Ramsey's fault. The, it, it could be Ramsey's fault, so feel free to make your jokes if you want, saying how my son's trying to do this on purpose for some kind of, uh, I don't know, he's trying to parlay this into some maybe ice cream or some kind of candy <laughs> even though it is firefighter month there at his school uh and he's sacrificing that and he's watching ben 10 religiously right now at home so all things considered my son is still sick in case you're wondering hey by the way uh ramsey trying to parlay this into a hundred million dollars maybe and, and then some uh meanwhile your son just trying to play a little ferris Bueller's Day Off. I guess, man, but it's like I said, it's, it's firefighting month right now, and he's a big fan of firefighters, so it's his loss if he's actually faking this, but uh, if you check the thermometer, it would tell otherwise that he's is, not faking. Is he smart enough to fake it yet? No, I mean, no, come not, on. Not, I mean, he's a smart little dude. But I don't know, what, what age yeah. do you get to when you're like, okay, I think I'm going to try to pull a fast one on mom and dad? Today, you get to be three years old. <laughs> Man, I think uh, I think that started for me around second grade or so, Brent. I was starting to, you know, maybe, uh, maybe my stomach's not feeling so good. You know, maybe I'm trying to dry heave a little bit on purpose. Things did, like that. Did you like school? Uh... That was all right. At yeah, that I mean, age, like, doesn't everybody kind of like elementary school? I mean, el- school, yeah, I, I, no. I, I mean, elementary school is all right, but you got to keep into account, man. Like, we didn't have DVR back then, so like, I'm missing the prices right every single day, and I would much rather, you know, be home doing that. Much rather being home watching PBS, little Arthur, little Wishbone, man. That's what I was all about. Austin Forget- Lane, come on down. Yeah, exactly, man. Forget trying to learn cursive and my AB, like all that. Nah, man. I'm just trying to watch some Wishbone on PBS. Dude, All right, seriously, awesome. do, do they even still do cursive writing in school now? I don't know. I'll tell you what, it didn't really pay off for me in the long run. Like, yeah, I can sign my signature, but it's not even close to what I learned in you know in class. So 
I doubt they actually teach cursive anymore. It's kind I don't of pointless. Know what the point would be, Scott. Like, really, I mean, having a pen in your hand anymore, which I know the old school folks would be like, well, yeah, you should still write a thank you letter and do that. And I agree with that, by the way. I, I like to write letters, uh, notes uh, when I can, and I think that's a cool thing to do. But let's be serious. How many times do you use a pen, paper, pencil, whatever it is? Uh, I don't, I mean, cursive might be like a lost art, and it might not be a necessary art. True For story. Sure. <laughs> Same thing with geometry. Don't get it twisted. Yes, well, listen, my wife might differ on that. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> hey, uh, Hall of Fame stuff. I have much respect for you. I just never got the point of geometry. She's tutoring like five hours a day, man, because of geometry. <laughs> well, okay? don't, well, then don't, don't invite me to those classes and talk to those kids because I'll have them revolting in no time. All right. See, that, that's why I always prefer to play defense than offense. I never had to figure out the angle of the throw or the, the right trajectory to run the route. All I had to do was target the guy and hit him. <laughs> I like it. Sounds like talk, my style. We're going to talk sports, I promise. But since we're on the school thing, favorite uh, uh, level of school not it, that's going to exclude college, though, okay? <laughs> because, like, everybody's favorite level of school is college if you go. Yeah. And it was for me. But high school, elementary school, middle school, uh, where would you rank them? Oh, uh, I would probably put it high school first, uh, elementary school second, and then middle school third because like middle school you know it's like the drop off it's in between so you're just kind of stuck in the middle they're like you're you're not cool enough to be a high schooler yet and you're still trying to figure out who you are as a person so uh high school is the coolest because that's when you know where the parties were and everything like that so yeah middle high, school has got to be the worst for everybody right i think so yeah high school once you got a car that's yeah. when it got real interesting because all of a sudden you got to start working on responsibility. Your lives have to be way more detailed and specific, and you start developing a good relationship with administrators. No, for sure. It, it was game over. Like once, once we got, you know, like we were sixteen, we got cars, man, and the, we just got a subway in town. Like, dude, lunchtime was never the same again after subway came to town. Yeah, that's so that cool. was the big uh, thing in Iowa, Wisconsin. Hey, here's the deal: some people were, see. I wasn't. High school was okay. But it wasn't, like, unbelievable. I mean, I'd probably go elementary school. Elementary school, you were, like, king of the world, it felt like. And I went to a small, small elementary school. We had, like, 100 kids in the entire elementary school. Yeah. And, and you know, I was good at sports, and, and they weren't, it felt like. Sure. And it was easy. And, like, I knew how to spell. So I think if you can know how to spell in elementary school, you're off to a really good start. <laughs> that helps, yeah. So, uh, so all those things put together. Middle school is the worst. And high school, I think, at least for me, was a bit overrated. I didn't have bad experience. It was just a shade overrated. Like, my buddy, Pat. He lo- he wishes he could go back to high school. Yeah. Like everybody else, don't they wish they could go back to college? Like nobody no, wishes no. they go back to high school, do they? Uh it's funny. It seems like when you're in high school you can't wait to get out you know, get out of town and start like your your next life and everything and it's all about leaving high school and you get to college, it's like, man, I kinda miss high school. So I mean from that perspective, uh it's probably a horse apiece. Like obviously I miss college, but I also miss high school as well. So I, I don't know, it's about a horse apiece. All right, uh, that's enough school talk. Let's talk yeah. sports. Okay, that's what we're here to do. By the way, that was like the first breather we've had in about like seven days on the show. <laughs> I, know. I mean, that, that felt like the first time like I thought about something else other than Jalen Ramsey and the Jaguars. It's refreshing. <laughs> it was kind of, it was, You're welcome. Yeah, I know the like the listeners probably didn't care. They probably didn't think like let's go back to Ramsey and let's go back to the Jaguars. We're getting there. Yeah. But uh, at least it was fun for us uh, to do that for a moment. By the way, on the show today we have Josh Dobbs speaking of the uh, Jaguars. What's his role for this football team? What's it? feel like for him coming into this situation where I think it's a crazy dynamic. you got the whole Jalen Ramsey thing, which, by the way, for those guys is just professional sports. Sometimes it happens. But then you have the Gardner Minshew thing, which that doesn't happen a lot. That's bizarre right now yeah. what's going on with Gardner Minshew in a good way. 
So you've got this dynamic that some people would perceive as a distraction and negative thing, and then you have this other one that's kind of like, this is awesome. This is wild. Let's enjoy the ride. So I want to talk a little bit about that with Dobbs and, and even get your thoughts, Austin, on that. I mean, have you gone through anything in your playing career when you've been in a, a locker room like Minshew and, and what this has become <laughs> where things take off? Now, I, uh, maybe I'm going to answer your question. You were around Tim Tebow. Yeah. With the Senior Bowl, and you you were in this draft class, so during that process a little bit, I think you saw a little of that up close and personal. But what about inside a locker room? Man, off the top of my head, like as far as kind of like that a folk hero thing. Yeah, anybody in nothing, Chicago was like that at the time? Probably not. Nothing right? really. No, I mean, I think the closest thing that I could think of, and this is from the wide receiver position. It would probably have to be Kelvin Johnson. And that was just from the standpoint of he's so talented, right? Like, Kelvin Johnson was probably one of three guys that either I played with or I played against where you would just sit back and just watch him work because you'd be in awe of how skilled that guy was. You know, That's a good and, and then it also helped because he was such a great guy off the field, too. Like, I, I understand, like, you know, I think him and the Lions are kind of on bad terms right now where some contract dispute and things like that. But make no mistake about it. Kelvin Johnson, um, when I played with him, he, he was a stand-up dude. I remember the first day that I got to, you know, the locker room in Detroit. And it's always kind of a stressful situation, right? Like, it's almost like you're the, I mean, I don't like to go back to school, but it's almost like you're the new kid in school again, you know? Like, you don't know where anything is. You don't really know a lot of your teammates. You kind of have to get situated and acquainted. Well, Kelvin Johnson, whose locker was right next to mine, did a great job of just kind of easing me into Detroit a little bit, man, introducing me to everybody. And he's like, hey, man, if you need a place to stay, just give me a holler. If you if you need some cleats, give me a holler. Because, you know, he's he sponsored by Nike. The guy had his own cleat, for crying out loud. So <laughs> yeah. he's like, hey, man, you know, like if, you, if you're size 13, I'm like, I'm size 15. Well, I'll see if I can get you some cleats if you want. I'm like, that's ridiculous that you're asking me, you know, what size I am just so you can get some free cleats for me but I appreciate it. But, yeah, I think Kelvin Johnson, just from the standpoint of being a professional in the locker room and off the field and obviously being one of the best wide receivers of all time, in my opinion. That's a good one. I like that. That's really cool. It's a different. It's a little different light, yeah. but you saw greatness. Like, if you played with Indi- Indianapolis, you saw greatness in Peyton Manning. If you yes. played for a day or a week or a year with Tom Brady right now, well, then you saw greatness, and that's kind of cool. So it's a little different than mm-hmm. what we're talking about. Now, heck, I could argue you're seeing a great player in Jalen Ramsey. Mm-hmm. You're seeing a great defense right now in the Jags locker room, but doesn't have that kind of aura to it, at least not yet, uh, that some of those guys, and, and Megatron and Calvin Johnson, that's a great story. That's, that's, a, that's a really good one in kind of a different way. And by the way, you made a mistake. Like, you should have, even, who cares if they were size 13 shoes? I know. You should, have, you should have got the shoes. And who cares like where if you didn't need to stay in a place, you should have, should have said, yes, I'm coming over for uh, a night or two or whatever, and just say, so you can on the front porch someday with your kids and grandkids and everything else, say, yeah, see that guy? He's like one of the best I ever play. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he invited me over to the house, and I stayed, and yeah. all that stuff. Dude, I was just trying to open the playbook. The last thing I was concerned about was getting free merch and, you know, going over to people's houses, man. I'm just trying to learn that playbook and try to get used to Detroit, which isn't the, the easiest city to get used to. I always tell you this story. Like, I think I've told you this before, and I don't really like to tell it too many times, uh, but whatever. I'll tell it again. Hit me with in, it. In, in that regard. Yeah. Right? Adam Vinatieri, when I was I, – I think I've told you this story. I don't think you have. But uh, my 21st birthday, Okay. Adam Vinatieri was at my house. You you have not told me the story. Yes. My 21st birthday, Adam Vinatieri was there. And this isn't like a drunk fest uh, 21st birthday type of thing (laughs) that I'm going to tell you about. It's very simplistic. He actually dated my sister. Wow. So, like, for I don't know how long they dated. But at that time, 
what I was home and my birthday's in late May, so I was back from school. Yeah. And whatever we did that day, and and I was there, and and at that time he was dating my sister. So Dang, Adam Vinatieri will be a insane. Hall of Famer. Yeah. You know, and you know now was at my 21st birthday. I can always say that. See, that's wow. kind of fun. Now he has. I've actually gone up to him before. Yeah. And said, and he has no remembrance. <laughs> it was kind of really weird because must you know, have not made a good first impression on him, Brent. Yeah. Well, well, here's the deal. The interesting thing about Vinatieri, and, and I never really kind of pulled this off. Oh yeah, you dated my sister. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. That's kind of a weird thing to say. It is. But um, I covered him in Providence when I was working in Providence. Shortly after uh, my 21st birthday, maybe like a year and a half later. That's when this whole run started. He kicks in the snow and makes the field goal, and he becomes a legend in New England early on in his career. And so we did a lot of things with Venetieri. Like he'd be out, kind of like the Mellow Mushroom or Top Golf kind of stuff. Sure. He would do that kind of stuff. So I would run into him and see him and then covered him for a while. And then we just saw him at the Super Bowl uh, we did in Atlanta uh, a few months back. So, Damn. Yeah. You know, I told you that you messed up. Yeah. And with all due respect to, to everybody in my sister's life, She's she the messed one that up. really messed oh, up. Oh, she totally messed up, man. You kidding me? <laughs> Hall of Fame Christmas dinners and stuff you guys could have been having? Oh, what a wasted opportunity. I know. That was a waste of opportunity Dang. right there. Uh, but anyway, hey, the Mitchu mania, the Ramsey story is going on in the Jags locker room. That's a real thing. And I want to talk about where it goes from here a little bit because we can't not talk about it. And there's not a lot of new developments on the Ramsey front. But I do want to see where this thing goes. What happens tomorrow? It's almost like predict what happens tomorrow like we would say who's going to win a football game. Because the next step of this is an important thing in the Ramsey whole ordeal or standoff or whatever it might be. And then the Mitchell mania is more important because they need him to play well, tread water, and keep this run going for as long as possible. So I want to talk about that uh, when we come back and and where these two stories could go for the Jacksonville Jaguars and what it means and really a critical stretch for them. They've got a three-game stretch, Austin, that I think is massive for the Jaguars because... It looked daunting, and when you start 0-2, it looks really daunting. But then it loosened up with the quarterbacks getting injured and Denver not playing well. So now they have to take advantage of that. And it's a week-to-week league. I get it. But the Jags really need to take advantage of it. The one other thing I really want to talk about today a little bit is they've got to get this run game going. How do they do that? I want you to expand on that. we got a big show lined up. Josh Jobs will join us. We'll talk some college football with Jason Fitz. And we're live from Streamsong Resort. Tell you all about this place. If you haven't been, you got to get here, especially if you like golf. But even if you like just chilling out and hanging out, it's a good place to be. Thanks for chilling out and hanging out with us on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, I'm Jay DeMarcus from Rascal Flats, and this is Action Sports Jacks. Yes, indeed it is. Brent Martineau here at Streamsong Resort and hanging out, having some fun the next couple of days. Uh, it's a very cool place to be. By the way, we do want to thank Streamsong Resort for helping us with our Action Sports Shacks Dream 18. Uh, gave us a nice uh, silent auction gift that uh, went for pretty good money and helped raise some big funds last week, or more than $30,000. Uh, for our Action Sports Shack Stream 18 and our charitable causes, including North Florida Junior Golf Foundation and St. Michael's Soldiers. So Stream Song Resort doing some really cool things in the community, and it's just a great place to be. I'll tell you more about it uh, a little bit later on. They have kind of a cool deal coming up, the Fall Classic. And uh, if you love golf, it's an awesome place to be. My wife's been here before, too, though, for the spa, uh, and that's pretty good. Uh, well, 
Very good. <laughs> if you like the spa packages. So uh, we'll tell you all about it. We have some guests coming on from Streamsong uh, in the next couple of days. So I'm here, and Austin Lane is back there in the Action Sports Jacks studios. And let's get right to it, man. Uh, let's get into the Minshew and Ramsey talk. Uh, I'll just ask you frankly, do you think Ramsey is here tomorrow for practice? I don't know. If, if my son's two days right now on his flu-like symptoms... Slated to go back to school tomorrow. We don't have the Jaguars medical staff at our disposal like Jalen Ramsey does. So if I'm a betting man, I would probably say yes, at least in some capacity. Now, he may not be like 100% for practice, but I think he'll be in the building tomorrow. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I think he will be there, um, and I agree with you. I don't know about the practice stuff. Uh, I don't know about the flu. I don't know how long that will take. I, I think guys with IVs and what else they can get usually will make it back. If you have the flu on Sunday, you could usually get ready for the next Sunday. Keep in mind, it's an altitude game as well. So I don't know. I'm not going to predict how well Jalen feels, but I suspect he still plays. Uh, let's assume that he is healthy, though, okay? Take the health part out of it. Is, it, is there anything in his favor to not play, Austin, even if he's not traded? Is that a play that he could use, and it's his team, his agent, himself, anybody else that's advising him in this whole deal, that he hasn't been traded even though he's requested one. Yeah. It's now been over a week. And, you know, usually when you hit Wednesday, there's kind of this feel that it, he won't be traded or, or nobody's moving Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. It usually will happen, I think, earlier in the week if something's going to get done. And the fact that the trade deadline is still off in the distance. The Jags don't have to move. Many reports uh, that we've shared with you about the Jags wanting a couple first-rounders, and some people say they've already turned down some offers, and they're hard and fast on those two first-rounders, so it's either that or nothing. They don't even want to listen to any other offers unless you give them something really good. So if you're Ramsey's camp, is there anything that you can kind of use to say, hey, I'm not showing up to practice, I'm not playing in this game? Is that a card you would play? I mean, obviously, I think the, the the biggest plus would be for him not to play, obviously, is the risk of injuries. Because assuming that, you know, Jalen Ramsey wants to be traded and everything like that, he still wants to go to another team. Obviously, if you go out there on Sunday or if you go out there during practice, you run the risk of getting injured. That's just the way it is. But um, with that being said, you know, and let's take away all the, you know, the, the Jalen Ramsey stuff on the sidelines with Houston or even take away the Brinks truck or take away the GQ article. You can say all these things about Jalen Ramsey, but one thing you cannot deny, no matter if you're a Jalen Ramsey hater or if you're a Jalen Ramsey supporter, is that the guy loves the game of football. And I think if you're asking him to, you know, maybe sabotage, you know, uh, this week of practices or whatever, if you're asking him to sit out the game, I think that's where he rebels. I think that's where he says absolutely not, because not only has he made himself abundantly clear he's a team player, but I just think he loves the game too much and i think any time that he'd have to sit out you know for a for a business reason you know for a business um perk i think that's where you start to lose him a little bit so uh while it could be beneficial in the long run for his trade value uh there's no way i see jalen ramsey sitting up because i think he loves the game way too much how much of it does it go into the fact that last tuesday he had that news conference which we labeled a little bit bizarre and he said hey as long as i'm here with the jags i am going to play and I am going to give my all and do everything that I do because that's why you guys love me so much. Remember that soundbite? Uh, yeah, and, for sure. And so th because he said that, to me, I feel like he's almost laid the groundwork that he would be going against his word of what he said. Now, 
I also think things do change from a business standpoint. I get that part of it. This is more than just, hey, Jalen said this, so he has to do this. But I wonder how much that weighs on him as an individual on their camp that they basically said, hey, we want to trade. Let's work this thing out. And you know how this works with agents too, Austin. I mean, agents can go maybe try to find somebody else that might be a willing dance partner. And on top of that, they said, okay, we'll all do this to try to get me out of here, but in the meantime, I'm going to play, and I'm going to play my butt off. He said that. Does he almost have to do it that way now that he said it? I mean, yeah, because obviously our job of the media is to hold you accountable for the things you say, right? And now that that's out there in space, you know, that's out there for everybody to hear. Um, you know, I, I think Jalen Ramsey, for the most part, is a man of his word. And I, and, and I think that he doesn't mince words, and I think that he has pride uh, for what he says. So if he says one thing, I think the last thing he would want to do for his brand uh, or him just being a good teammate would be to go against his word. So with that being said, yeah, I almost feel like he is uh, he has an obligation now to stick to those words that he said. Now, some things may be out of his control, right? Maybe the team does find a suitor, and that suitor doesn't want him to play this Sunday. Well, then it's out of Jalen Ramsey's control. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I mean, that's the, those circumstances, like, he can't control those. But the things that he can control, right, his attitude and his how he approaches this week, um, he can control. So all things considered, if no one's trading for him, um, if the Jaguars don't, you know, come out and say, you're sitting, then I think from Jalen's camp, at least, he's going to play. By the way, uh, just from a technicality standpoint, I asked this question to somebody, and uh, I, I probably won't do the best job of explaining it. Uh, uh, the first part's easier. If he misses practice and he's not sick, you know, if he just says, I'm not coming to practice, yeah. well, then you can get fined. And, Austin, you may know a little bit more about this. So the Jags can fine him uh, for missing practice without really a reason. If he then misses a couple of days of practice, I think they can put him on a list of, like, not showing up. Mm -hmm. And I don't know the official name of the list. (laughs) It's escaping me right now. Uh, They told me the official name of the list, and now I can't remember it. But you get my point. They can basically put him on, hey, he's... He's just not showing up, so we're going to keep finding him. And I think I think to that matter, you might even be able to, if they put him on that list, and this is the part I don't know, you might even be able to utilize that roster spot uh, if a guy's not going to play. So th- I, there there are some things the Jags could do, is my point. There's a, there's a leverage in here for the Jags if he just chose not to play. But I, I those are kind of semantics, and that's like operational logistics stuff for the Jags to handle and Ramsey to kind of wade through. You know, I don't even feel like it's there yet. You know, I don't I don't feel like this is that contentious and maybe it's because of the win on Thursday. I understand there's there's um there's some disrespect going on and there's some unhappiness going on between the two sides, more so the Jalen side I think. But I don't think it's to the point where all of a sudden we're talking about He's not showing up for work, he's not gonna play in a game and and he's taking it to that level. Could we get there? It's possible. I think the best time to get there would be closer to the trade deadline. Yeah, you know, and once again, that stems more off of, I think, how his relationship with the front office evolves going forward. Right now, you know, we haven't really heard too much of how the talks with Tom Coffin and Jalen Ramsey went. If there were really any kind of talks, um, if both guys are kind of stuck in their way, we really don't know what's happening there, right? So it's hard for us to say, well, going forward now, what is Jalen Ramsey going to do or what are his feelings towards that? Um, listen, I mean, all things considered, the fact that if he shows up tomorrow, he's ready to work, at least that's a good sign for your franchise right now where he's not trying to sabotage the team. Um, he is still trying to win games while he's in Jacksonville. 
and maybe that's the best you know that's going to be the best thing to go do going forward maybe you don't want to push the issue with the front office and you know try to sit in a room and you know you air everything out because sometimes when you air stuff out like that and you go back and forth brent sometimes you can you know leave those type of meetings and it's worse than when it started yeah good point <laughs> so with that being said i mean you know it's it's almost like a it's almost like a thing of fine china right now like you just put it on display you just leave it alone and whatever happens happens but you know, you, you got a question like, how much do you want to fiddle with it? And how much do you want to interact with it and go back and forth? Because then that's where you could have, kind of have some real problems going forward. I, I think we're on the same page here, too. It does feel like there's nothing imminent in the Jalen Ramsey situation. Exactly. Now, I think it's also fair to mention that changes on a dime with a simple phone call. So, um, and, and something the Jags like, or maybe something the Jags don't like from the Ramsey side, and they try to ship him out, whatever it might be. But I just think there does not, is not a feel for me that anything is really going to happen this week. And, and I continue to say that. I think I said it last week, that I think this will play out longer than people uh, think it will. And we're already way past the weekend, which is what people thought might could happen with Jalen Ramsey and go into another team. That didn't happen. So here we are uh, in week number two, and I think we might get to a week number three, four, maybe even five. Again, the trade deadline, I believe, is October 29th. So that's quite a bit away. That's a month away uh, for the trade deadline, all this stuff to kind of uh, shake itself out. One last one for you on the Ramsey front for now. (laughs) Not for good, but for now. Uh, Austin, how much do you think we should or it will be picked apart how he plays? If you go back to week one, because I think the consensus is he's, if he's not the best, he's one of the best. Sure. If he's not great, he's very, very, very good. You know, I don't know where you fall. It depends on if you're listening and, and how you fall on Jalen Ramsey and saying he's the greatest, man. He's awesome. I mean, I, I think he's a, an amazing football talent. I really do. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm at that, like, higher level of where I think Jalen Ramsey is. But if you take his three-game sample of this year, Austin, yeah. Kansas City was not a good game for anybody. And then yep. he has a great game against DeAndre Hopkins, but he could have won the football game with a pick uh, in that Houston game, too. So there was a bit of a letdown moment along with the sideline outburst. But I'm just talking about his play. And then last week he gets beat by a young receiver and then really got uh, a couple of other catches on him. And, and listen, I'm not being overdramatic about it. I think sometimes as a corner you get beat and sometimes you give up three or four catches in a game. That yeah. happens. That doesn't mean all of a sudden, oh, my gosh, he's not playing well. That happens. But it is also unusual sometimes for Jalen Ramsey to get beat by a young receiver, not an Antonio Brown or DeAndre Hopkins. And it's also unusual for maybe like three catches in a row in that second half to happen. So my, my bottom line is how fair is it that we apply the ultra microscope right now on how Jalen Ramsey is playing and are other teams around the NFL doing that because they might be willing to give up some draft capital for him. Yeah, so to be fair though, I feel like Jalen Ramsey has always been under the proverbial microscope, right? Because he plays a position where it's just him and the receiver. It's not like you're an offensive lineman. It's not like you're in a defensive tackle where sometimes maybe you can hide with stunts. Maybe you can hide, um, you know, with like, I don't know, just, you know, in the line and it's hard to see and everything like that. Like, no, you're always going to be seen, um, when you're playing the cornerback position. That's why it's such a, you know, a, a top elite position to play. And that's why you want to find the good ones because there is a lot of pressure on you. So I think this even dates back to last year, Brent, a little bit. You know, when the, when those comments were said about Tyreek Hill, you know, Jalen Ramsey kind of came out and said that Tyreek Hill is just a glorified all uh, uh, first-team um, 
kick return or punt return or whatever he said. And then, like, what did everybody do from the Chiefs and really kind of around the country was they, they tuned in on Jalen Ramsey, right, to see, well, can he back his words up? You know, is, is Tyreek Hill going to burn him like he burns everybody else? So I think Jalen Ramsey being under a microscope is nothing new. You know, I mean, he kind of invited that stuff when he did the GQ article, um, you know, when he's playing that brass position like the corner. So I don't think, you know, to say, well, it's increased now. It's always been there. And now, like, our team's going to watch even more Jalen Ramsey and be like, well, look at the Tennessee Titans game. He gave up a couple, you know, passes to some young receivers. Teams understand that Jalen Ramsey's a special talent. You know, if, if you give up a pass here or there, teams are going to be okay with that because everybody gives up passes, right? Like, and I get it. The, the, the Chiefs game, uh, it was a nightmare for the secondary and really that whole defense in general. But guess what? The, the secondary for the Raiders didn't shine either. The, the secondary for the Ravens, whose defense is supposed to be pretty good, didn't shine either. So anybody that the Chiefs are playing right now, uh, to be fair, their secondaries haven't been up to par either. And this is with Tyreek Hill out and just you know plugging and playing new guys. So I don't want to call the Chiefs game an outlier just because, I mean, we have to still, you know, we still have to put that in our info and put it for our data here when we're evaluating Jalen Ramsey. But I also think that the circumstances, you know, were a little flawed in the fact that the Chiefs are kind of a this one-in-a-generational type of offense. Yeah, really good call, by the way, in the GQ article stuff, because he's always kind of put a target on himself with what he said, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's in the locker room, whether it's in a GQ article like that, or now by requesting a trade. And he's usually lived up to it pretty good. So, uh, yeah. Or even going back to the AFC Championship game, and right before that game, coming back from Pittsburgh and saying, hey, we're going to go to the Super Bowl. But, yeah, you know, yeah. but he put that on him, and, and he, he plays well all the time. So he's not afraid of that mark, if you will. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that was a really good point to bring up. That's He almost thrives off it, yeah. you kind of think, with Jalen Ramsey. When we come back, Minshew Mania continues in Jacksonville, but for how much longer? And, Scott, let's send uh, everyone to break from Streamsong Resort with... Doug Marone talking about Jalen Ramsey and how, hey, he's got to worry about everybody else in the building. You know, we're all talking about it outside the building. I think they're talking about about half as much inside the building. Here's Doug Marone, and we'll be back on Action Sports Jacks with a little Minshew Mania on ESPN 690. I can't speak for all the, you know, the players, Gene. You know, um, I think we all have responsibilities. Uh, We all have a a job. That's how I look at it. Um, Other people may not. but that's basically uh, the mindset that, 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 that I'm in. You know, I, I control the things that I can control. Um, I don't get crazy with the things that are on the, on the outside. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anajar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. All right, this is my favorite response so far on Twitter today. Hit me with it. Keep Ramsey pay on. He's a good friend of the show here, I think, uh, on social media. Okay. Why does A-Train pronounce Calvin as Kelvin? And I said, well, that's because he's from, from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yep, for sure. Yeah. Calvin. Is that Calvin. better? Calvin. Calvin. I didn't catch that. Kelvin. I don't know. I don't know why you call me Brant instead of Brent, but... I don't call you Brant. Get real, man. It's Brent. <laughs> Brent would actually be a cool name. Yeah, like, yeah. That's not a bad name. Yeah. No, I mean, that's just that's just the accent coming out of me, man. And to be fair, it's gotten a lot better in my older age, but it used to be really bad. I mean, to the point where, you know, coaches would address it and uh, my teammates would address <laughs> it as well. Oh, yeah. Like, they'd be like, what did you just say? I'm like... 
Don't worry about it, man. It's just a Wisconsin thing. I told you the secret to getting rid of a, an accent, right? I, no, because I had a hardcore Rhode singing? Island accent. It's yeah, singing. Singing. Yeah. So I don't know, man. I sing in the car all the time, and I still have mine. So yeah. Well, you're not trying hard enough. I guess not. Who cares, though? I mean, you know, the one thing about like living in Florida is you get all different kinds of sure. accents because everybody's from out of state. It feels exactly. Like. Uh, hey, we're alive at Streamsong Resort. We're a very cool place. We'll talk more about it in a couple of minutes. Uh, played a little golf this morning on the new black course, and it is awesome. Uh, just a tremendous golf experience. If you're a big-time golfer, you got to get here. Put it on your bucket list. This isn't just a Florida thing either. I mean, this is one of the best resorts in the United States, one of the best resorts in the country. People come from all over the world to play it. We're fortunate in Jacksonville to have courses like that, like Stadium Course at TPC Sawgrass uh, and so many others. But this is a unique place with three golf courses, so I'll tell you about it in a minute. But Mitchu Mania, and uh, a real quick thought on this coming in from the social platforms. I, I promised myself I wouldn't get here, Austin. Yeah. And here we are, and I want to at least answer the question if people are asking. But... Ricky says, do you think they will bench Minshew when Foles gets well? Mm. And I want to almost be like I'm running for office here when I answer this question and and kind of deflect it Yeah. because I just think we are so far away from that. And it, it is it, this is fun ride. We have no idea where this is going. The Jags could be one in six in a month. They could be four and three in a month. We have no idea. And so I think it's way down the road. I mean, we're talking – Seven or eight weeks away, uh, well, seven weeks away probably for Nick Foles to come back and be healthy. And that's if. That's when he's eligible to. That's if he feels okay coming off that broken clavicle bone. So I think it's just way ahead of the game. I understand the question, and I get it. And here's the, here's the right answer to that from my standpoint is let's hope Doug Marone and the Jaguars coaching staff and brass has to make that decision. Because if they have to make that decision, that means Gardner Minshew played pretty well. That means the Jags are winning football games. And that's a decision that's okay to make at that stage of it. And then whatever happens, we'll talk a bunch about it. We'll see if they made the right right one. I just feel like in late September, going into week four, going to a game in Denver, and heck, still five days away from that one. To think about week 11 right now, when we know this league changes day to day, hour to hour, uh, it's a little bit ahead of ourselves. It is ahead of ourselves, Brent, but it's not out of the realm of possibility to start talking about it a little bit. And well, then you do it. Well, I'm gonna do. It. I'm doing it right now. Uh, I, you know, I'm not gonna sit on the fence here like you tell me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick a side. And oh. let's let's assume that Gardner Minshew is playing, you know, well, and he's he's progressing and he's he's winning the Jacksonville Jaguars games. That's the most important part. Absolutely. He, he can be playing well, but if Jacksonville is not winning, um, that doesn't really matter. He played well in the first two games, and they were 0 2. Exactly. So. You know, I'm from the philosophy, Brent, where I always put politics aside in terms of wins and losses, right? Like, if if a fifth-round pick's playing better than a first-round pick, then play the fifth-round pick. And if Gardner Minshew is leading the Jacksonville Jaguars to wins, then you sit Nick Foles. But I'm almost a hypocrite in the standpoint where Foles is slated to make around 30-something million dollars this year. And to justify that $30 million or whatever, how much are he's making this year, sitting on the sidelines while a six-round pick, you know, is playing, as a businessman and thinking the business aspect of it, it's hard um, to picture that, right? It's, it's hard to picture spending that much money for a guy that's sitting the bench. So that's only the problem I have, you know, and it's wrong to have that because you would say, well, if the Jaguars are winning, you have to keep on rolling with Minshew. Why wouldn't you? Like, why would you throw 
another cog into something that doesn't need to be thrown into. Yeah. But at the same time, it's hard to justify that much money sitting on the bench. Yeah, I, I, so I maybe get that, I'm on but the I don't care about too. that. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about that, Austin. If I get to that stage, my, I'm Doug Marone, I'm Dave Caldwell, and Tom Coughlin. My jobs could be on the line. I could care less how much money's sitting on my bench. I just don't worry about that. You play the best players, and I understand. That's not how it always goes. I yeah. get it. Mm-hmm. But by that point in the season... That's how it goes. Now listen, I live this. I covered the New England Patriots when Tom Brady took over. I was in Providence. I was covering the Patriots at that point. And they de- had to decide. I mean, Drew Bledsoe got healthy in time for the playoffs, you know. Yeah. And they had to decide, go back and forth. And I think even Brady or either one of those games, I'll have to go back and look this up. But if, correct me if I'm wrong. I think one of those games in the playoffs, I think it might have been the Pittsburgh game, uh, that they Troy Brown returned a punt for a touchdown in that game, but I'm pretty sure Bledsoe even played in that game. Whether that was because Brady got hurt or wasn't playing well, I can't really remember at the time. I think it was because he might have got dinged up a little bit, and so Bledsoe even came in in relief, uh, but then it was Brady who played in the Super Bowl, and I think that was kind of the context of it all. Uh, I'll go back and look that up, but I'll go back and look that up if we get to the point where Gardner Minshew yeah. has to kind of keep Nick Foles on the bench. I just well, think we have such a long way to get there, and I'll tell you how that would end. Minshew's going to play because you can't. You have to keep riding the Minshew man. Do you believe if the Jaguars are really like have a good record by week eleven, and they're like Minshew's mania is going to be unbelievable. So yeah. you have to keep playing them. You'd have to keep playing them and keep in mind if you were to bench him for whatever reason, even though he was winning games. Let's assume. Uh, Foles is going to have the rough job of when he comes back. Then says says he go like he goes in the game. Well, that very first like you know errant throw, that very first overthrow, or whatever like that, especially yeah. at home, people are going to be booing him. People are going to be calling for his head over one incomplete just because of the whole Minshew mania. Don't just keep with this in mind. This is the last thing I'll say about it for now. Uh, and uh, submarine Mike says uh, Brady got hurt. It was the AFC Championship game. Say, how about that memory? Good not call, for an old guy. I see yeah, it, man. I'm not usually good at that stuff either. That was pretty good. <laughs> but uh, look, this is not a bad problem to have. Okay. Once we get there, and if that's the case, and let's hope it's the case that we have to talk about this, I don't necessarily view it as a bad problem to have. The Jags well, could have two good quarterbacks that they could play. No, I mean, yeah, that, that's obviously every team's dream, Brent. But let's be honest here too. That could be a kind of a bad problem to have if Minshew's playing so well, because then it's almost like a civil war in that locker room, right? It like, could team, be. like players are going to take sides. Like if you remember, you know, when Foles left and everything, there was kind of a a, yeah. a, a school of players that wanted Foles to stay, you know, and kind of good word point. got out in Philly that you know they thought that the wrong decision was made and Foles should actually be the guy in Philly. And now that was all speculation, but you know what they say, when there's smoke, there's fire. So I think there is some truth to that. So we have to remember, if both, you know, if Minshew is playing good and Foles is slated to come back, well, there's going to be a civil war in that locker room. That's the last thing you want when you're trying to fight for a division. Well, there might be. Let's not there, say there yeah, will okay, be. There, there might be. be. Yeah. And Foles would probably help that situation because he's such a good pro. True. Uh, but I get it. I understand it. And, by the way, it's only a bad. De- it's only bad if it, you make a bad decision. If you make the right decision and keep winning football games and win big, it's never a bad decision. Look what happened with Tom Brady, Drew Bledsoe, and the New England Patriots. Hey, yeah. quick, let's get South Beach Gary in, and then we've got to take a break. Uh, South Beach Gary, what's up, man? South Beach, Gary, you still there? You hanging on? What's up? Hello. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Let's make this argument today. I won't back down by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Hey, quickly, guys. I know this Jalen Ramsey horse has been beat to death, but I heard a curious new twist on it last night. Uh, watch, watching the uh, Mark Brunell show, he said that if it were up to Tom Coughlin, Ramsey would have been either suspended and or fined for laying his hands 
on on uh, Doug Marone, but he doesn't have the authority to do so. Yeah, it's interesting. And uh, nobody nobody uh, followed up on it or anything. Well, who who else could have the authority above him other than Shad Khan? I well, mean, he's, he's the head of football operations, and he doesn't have the authority. You just answered the question. Shad Khan can trump <laughs> that. Jalen Ramsey, and nobody asked Brunel about that. If you guys could find out about that. Well, why would I would say, I'd say and nobody nobody followed up on it. I mean, uh, all how right. could that be? South Beach, Gary, thanks for the call, man. By the way, I've never heard of that show in my life, uh, first of all. And secondly, um, <laughs> Mark who? I've, yeah, I've, I've, heard a, I've heard the same story, and it, I think it is just kind of a rumor thing right now because I don't know if it's substantiated. I don't know if it will ever be. Um, and But I've heard the context, and with that, well, there is one guy that can trump Tom Coughlin. It's Shad Khan. <laughs> and if Shad Khan didn't want to suspend Jalen Ramsey, then yeah. he can call the trump card there and say, I don't want to suspend Jalen Ramsey. So it's really not that hard to figure out. No. It's, it's something that he can do. He does not get involved very much. But we know Shad Khan got involved with the Jalen Ramsey situation to some degree. So I don't think it's hard to believe. Hey, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, more from Streamsong Resort. Tell you a little bit more about this place coming up at 4 o'clock. Jason Fitz from ESPN. Talk some college football. Josh Dobbs, the Jaguars' backup quarterback now, will join us at 5 o'clock. Former Tennessee Vol. Might have to ask him a little bit what's going on with Tennessee. Oof. But, uh, by the way. We might not even be able to have a good conversation with Josh Dobbs because he's like a rocket scientist and we are not. Yeah, man. We just talked about we're not going to talk about school and everything. Now I'm about to get lectured in aerospace engineering and stuff from Josh Dobbs. Here's the deal. Can you, like, quiz him? Like, find some problem. You have to Google it because I know, like, your math skills. Yeah, but what are you talking Google about? Google a problem that, like, it would be really hard. Or maybe I'll call my wife on a math problem. I want to see if Dobbs can get it. Kind of like Harriet's method of solving cubics? Sure, whatever you just said. We'll be back from Street Talk Resort on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Now, back to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and on your smart speaker. Hey, we kicked Austin Lane out for this segment. Never a bad thing to do, and it kind of feels like authoritative to be able to kick an MMA fighter out of the cage. Here on the show. Enjoy it. It's one of the few times you'll actually get to say that. (laughs) I know it. And he can't have a rebuttal at all, which is beautiful. I want to spend a few minutes right now with Tyler Ramsdell from here at Streamsong Resort. And uh, that's where we're hanging out today and tomorrow, actually. Play a little golf this morning. But this place is way more than a golf course. As we welcome everybody back to Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. What a cool place. Kind of in the middle of nowhere, if you will. Uh, And you guys have done a fantastic job. I'm going to bring up the quote, and I'm going to try to say it or paraphrase it the way people have described you. I think it was Golf Digest or somebody else said, you have a top ten job in the world of golf, yet it has nothing to do with golf. What does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the director of recreation here at Streamsong Resort. Um, I oversee the bass fishing, sporting clays and archery, um, some of the best bass fishing in the entire world. Um, You know, So really a dream job for myself who's an outdoorsman, love being outside and for them to pay me to do that, you know, you really can't beat it. <laughs> yeah, you said like, this golf is a big thing, obviously, Absolutely. in the state of Florida. Correct. And people know you for your renowned golf courses. Now three of them with the black course that just opened up go along with the red and the blue, and people know them all over the world, not just here in the state of Florida. But that is probably the, the best-kept secret is it is home of some of the best bass fishing around. 
Why is that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I would compare it against uh, any fishing in the world for largemouth bass. Um, it's a mixture of things. You know, all, our fishing is catch and release, so we're not keeping any of the bass. Um, you know, we're not hurting them at all or anything like that. There's a bunch of shad in there, so they're feeding year-round. Um, and it's an old phosphate pit, so it's very deep. You know, it's 50 feet deep in the middle so that they can go to warm water when it's cold and find cold water when it's warm. And, uh, you know, I think keeping it catch and release is what's made it so great. Shooting clays, archery. Do you get a lot of guests here at the resort that do that, too? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have a lot of groups that come here, and not everyone golfs. Um, so, you know, we offered these bass fishing, sporting clays, archery for, for guests to experience something else besides golf and to keep them busy while, you know, they break from meetings. They go, they go, some go golf, some fish, shoot archery, you know, just give people options. And this is kind of, it, it's a neat place because I think you go as a visitor, say, you're like us today, and you want to go play a little golf, you hang out, you get away for a couple of days, even if you live in the state of Florida. Heck, you can probably live an hour down the road and feel like you're getting away to this place yeah. here at Streamsong uh, Resort. But then you brought up the corporate part of it where you might have big corporate meetings yeah, and then the ability to do all sorts of things right the spa the pool the hanging out the meeting places and then all these different activities along with golf yeah absolutely you know to have it in central florida where there isn't many things in central florida especially golf i mean you know it's just world-class golf the spa is amazing you know our pool is right on a lake beautiful setting we got some chipping greens out there so you can hit some balls right next to the pool like it's something i've not seen in florida and in the southeast actually you know it's, it's a wonderful place three amazing golf courses amazing bass fishing it's well worth the trip to come out here tyler ramsdale with us from streamsong resort and uh you're a new hampshire guy went to st leo yes sir and uh, when you tell everybody back home your friends everything like that what you do for a living uh, director of recreational yeah, just director of recreation. recreation. Yep. Director of recreation. What do they say? Like, do you expand upon that? Do they say, what is that job title? That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> tough. One, a, um, a lot of my friends are golfers, so they're trying to get free golf. Of is course. The, is the first thing. Everybody tries yeah, to get free yeah, golf. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, they, they just laugh. They're like, you, you get paid to take people fishing, shooting, and archery all day. I was like, that's ah, a little more than that, but that is the gist of it, you know, and it's just delivering a great customer experience. You know, make we, our goal here is to make memories for people. Yeah. Um, you know, so we... we Having someone never catch a bass to catch their first bass and seeing that reaction on their face, that's really why I do it, or why, why most of us are here is to create memories for the guests. That's really cool and do a good job of it. It's a memorable place yeah. because oh. it's so different. You know, yeah. that's the thing. You've been to different parts of Florida. Yeah. I mean, New Hampshire's a different place, right? Oh, We've yeah. been to different parts of the country, but this is a unique place, and, and a lot of times it doesn't feel like you're in Florida. No, absolutely. I don't think I'm in Florida at all when I come here. Um, it's more like on the golf courses, you can feel like you're in Ireland or Scotland. Yeah. You're over here, it kind of looks like Arizona-ish. It just does not feel like Central Florida while you're here. Even if you're we're an hour from Tampa, hour and a half from Orlando, and you feel like you're in a different country a lot of times. Um, but really, golf, link style, you know, you can feel like you're in Ireland or Scotland. Just an amazing place. Um, you know, some of the best fishing in the entire world, I think, as well. I think, and it's and it's not. It's not out there a lot. Like we're not known for our fishing yet. We're, yeah. we're trying to get there. So if you come here, if you've never fished, try it out. I promise we will make memories that you won't forget. Well, folks back in Jacksonville, uh, I know that are listening. They love to fish in Jacksonville. Oh, absolutely. So here's a little secret place for you now to come on out. Biggest bass that you've seen caught here? Uh, our la- I've, I've seen upwards 16, 17 pounds, but our one caught landed is 14 pounds. Wow, very good. And uh, what now you take these folks out, which means you have to do it. Are you any good at archery? Are you good at shooting clays? Are you good at fishing? Yeah, I, I, I can hold my own for All sure. Right. I'll show you some videos after this. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Tyler Ramsdale here at Streamsong Resort. Uh, thanks for having us out, by the no way. No problem. Thanks for having me Appreciate on. Appreciate it. Good Appreciate to meet it. you. Nice meeting you. And uh, we'll talk more about it and, and the fantastic golf courses as well. But look up the fishing. 
the bass fishing here at Streamsong Resort. We come back. We're talking a little college football. Jason Fitz from ESPN joins us next on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Tyler really does have the best job. I mean, that's an unbelievable job. My job's awesome. A lot of jobs are awesome. That's a pretty good job when you go fishing, a little archery. And uh, shooting clays. Yeah. Every day at work. Not bad. You any good at any of those growing up in Wisconsin? Yeah, I was pretty good on the archery front. Uh, really? Yeah. Um, huh. You know, like my like as a kid, my grandpa kind of made me this bow like out of plastic. So then I, you know, I would shoot it all the time. That was kind of a way to pass time in the country in the boondocks, as they say. <laughs> and then fishing. Um, I have a friend who's like a sponsored uh, musky fisherman. So, um, me personally, I'm, I'm not a big fisherman, but um, it's fun to hear him talk about it, I guess. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's good. You know what? He show, he didn't want to brag, yeah. but he showed us some videos, actually. Yeah. And he, he was doing some archery where he they threw up, they kind of combined, right? Like shooting clays and archery. Yeah. Uh, and they threw uh, frisbees. <laughs> yeah. And his first take and second take, he was able to n- nail it, put it right, put the arrow right on the frisbee. Insane. So he didn't want to brag, but I'm bragging for him. Yeah, for sure. It, well, it's, it's it's pretty cool when you're bragging about him and you're talking crap about me. I heard what you said when you guys uh, open up the interview. It's, it's all good though. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh you're wow. back. Now. Really short memory. Wow, that's crazy, Brent. Really short memory. It's all good Very though, short. man. Brett Martineau here live at Streamsong Resort. Uh, cool hanging out in Central Florida. Uh, Polk County is where this is. Again, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, but it's really neat. It's just a neat place. Uh, and, and we'll talk more about it. The golf courses uh, I'll tell you a little bit about because they are very unique for the state of Florida. Yeah. And unique just where it's built. Like all, all the kind of history behind Streamsong Resort. And it's relatively new. But uh, already widely considered uh, some of the top golf courses and top resort in the world. And uh, we are glad to be here today. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Shack studios. And right now let's talk a little college football and other sports going on because maybe he's got a thought on Ramsey or even Antonio Brown. We welcome in ESPN's Jason Fitz every Tuesday around this time. What's up, Jason? How you doing, man? Oh, you know, i got thoughts on everything. You know, that's just... You, you can't. You can't hold the thoughts back when you say Jalen Ramsey and Antonio Brown. Come on. Well, let's go, let's get right into it, man. Does Antonio Brown ever play in the NFL again? Uh, you know, here's the thing. I would say from a talent level, yes, that's the easy answer. Uh, the the bigger hardship for me in that mindset is that we've seen owners and the way they sort of protect each other at times. And at the worst, the NFL, we've seen this. And, and it's the way owners sort of uh, always band together. I'm curious to see how owners react to the way that he lashed out specifically against Robert Kraft. And that's something that sort of I've got my eye on because even if there's a spot where he turns around and he makes everybody forget all of the rest, I'm not sure that you can go after the good old boy network and survive that. So, you know, I think that's going to be as difficult as anything. At some point, being spectacular at what you do, he's going to get a second chance based on simply the fact that he's great on the field, I would think. But they're going to have to be okay with him making the comments on social media about Robert Kraft. And 
that's a heck of a mountain to, to, to have to climb. Yeah, absolutely is. Jason Fitz with us from ESPN. We'll talk some college football in just a moment, but another thought on the NFL uh, quickly. Antonio Brown's situation is interesting because you, you, you have there's so much respect for the New England Patriots organization, Belichick and Brady and what they've done, that if Brown couldn't survive there, can he survive anywhere, as Austin has said, really, for the last couple of days. And, and you have to agree with that sentiment. Let's switch over to Jalen Ramsey. How This is a story now that is big anywhere you go, Jason. This was a story that we thought would be big in Jacksonville, be big with the Jaguars, be big maybe regionally. This has become a blockbuster story around the NFL the last week or so. How do you view, how do you view it now that it's about eight days old uh, with Jalen Ramsey well, and the Jags? I think my view on it has changed pretty drastically in the last 48 hours because it's one thing to stand up and say, hey, I'm gonna be. I want to be traded. I want out. And then to go in and play. And let's face it, Taylor Ramsey pulled out on Thursday night against the Titans. He looks spectacular. And I understand why the Jags wanted to play him because it gives them a better chance to win. And they want him on the field. The other side of it, though, is calling in sick. And, and you know, maybe maybe randomly he does have the flu. Maybe it's the worst timing in the history of mankind. That's a tough pill for all of us to swallow. If he's just calling out because he doesn't love his situation. Now you're talking about something that I think actually would make other teams nervous because as much as you can turn around and say, hey, I can make this guy happy, he can be happy here. That's what teams did with Antonio Brown, right? There's a difference between that and just flat out in the middle of the season when your team, because the rest of the division is so bad, still has a shot to do something for you just to stop showing up at work. That's the sort of thing that I think would make every other organization hesitant to want to give him the mega money you're going to have to give him if you trade for him. Austin, jump in on some college football here. Let's take Jason that way, especially we'll begin with a little Notre Dame and Georgia uh, from Saturday night. That played out differently than many people thought, Jason. Oh, yeah, I was I was wrong about that one. Look, I thought Georgia was just going to whoop the bus, and, uh, and they didn't. Notre Dame put up a better fight than we expected, and I think that also is significant because Georgia is a great football team. They're not a good football team this year. They are a great football team. So the fact that Notre Dame gave them everything they can handle – it's good. I don't know, though, how Notre Dame recoups from this loss because at the end of the day, they don't have another signature win they're going to be able to get on their on their schedule. We keep asking when's Notre Dame going to join a conference, and the answer to that is when it would benefit them. This might be a year where it actually hurts them not having a conference championship-type opportunity to pick up another landmark win. They were competitive, but it won't be enough, and Georgia turns around and survives, and they get a significant win because, let's face it, they've got tough games coming up on their schedule, too, so they need to win all of these possible because they'll get one get-out-of-jail-free card if they have one game that they lose miraculously. I think they could still find themselves in a playoff conversation, but it, that mountain also gets tough for them. Hey, what's up, Jason? Uh, so a few hours ago, news kind of got released that De'Eric King and Keith Corbin, the starting quarterback and wide receiver for the University of Houston, are opting to sit out the rest of their year and use their red shirt. And if, if you look at the Houston team right now, they're 1-3, and 0-1 uh, in conference, is this going to be a trend now? Because let's be honest here. They're both healthy, Jason. This sounds like they're tanking. Are, are we going to see more of this going forward now in college football? If it works, why not? You know, and that's scary uh, in the sense that you're right. Like, De'Ara King is somebody that had a great year. He accounted for 50 touchdowns. It's an AAC record. You know, he, he played incredibly well. Now, this season is off to a rocky start, and there's a belief that Daniel Hogerson, uh, who comes over from West Virginia, is building a team. He thinks it's going to take a little time. I don't know if he's talked them into it or if they've just decided they don't want to be a part of where this team is now. But if we really want to see a world that gets convoluted, it's a world where you start seeing coaches, redshirt players, that just just to get their team better next year. I mean, 
it, it may be a win for everybody, but that could turn into a scary, strange situation of people taking advantage of a rule that was meant to really help players and suddenly use it to help teams stockpile players for next year when they're going to be better. Uh, that That's going to create a, so much havoc that I think the NCAA would have to turn around and revisit the rule to make sure it's actually working. Jason Fitz from ESPN. You can catch him in the mor- mornings with Golick and Wingo. Catch him uh, 8.30 in the morning on Saturdays leading up to college game day and all the social media platforms for ESPN uh, as well. That show's doing well every Saturday morning, and Jason has some fantastic insight on the college stuff, really everything, but uh, on Saturday mornings it's all about college football for Jason and the gang. All right, let's stay on that because that is a fascinating topic that just came up with Houston and these two guys that are going to do this. Do you see? I love kind of. Uh, it's funny we don't like player empowerment sometimes, and I'm guilty of it. Uh, whether it's an Antonio Brown and the stuff that he's done, and and is Jalen Ramsey about to do that? And I, I kind of get I'm mixed on it. I'm conflicted on it. But I really like rules that benefit student athletes in college, especially in college football and college basketball, the way things are designed. But this is something that throws you for a loop. And I thought you brought up a great point. Is it the coaches that are going to do it? instead of the players. And if it's the coaches that are going to do it, well, then that defeats some of the purpose because I like student-athlete power a little bit more. I don't necessarily love more power for the egotistical head coaches, Jason. Well, you're a thousand percent right, and I'm with you. I think in a world, and I I cannot say this loud enough for every single person that doesn't like player empowerment, in a world where a coach can quit today on his team and go sign somewhere else and coach somewhere else tomorrow, I have no problem with giving players the opportunity to move about the cabin however they so choose because we give that same freedom to coaches all day, every day. And, you know, when you, but where, where this particular sort of loophole becomes concerning to me is I'm starting to, my question becomes, do you see Nick Saban look around and say, hey, you know what? You're not quite big enough this year. I don't want to lose you. You're not hurt. Uh, you're good, but we're going to be even better at this position or we need you next year at this position and start to basically pressure kids to stockpile for different years when they might be good. And the same for rising programs. If Dana Holgerson is trying to build something at Houston, he thinks can be competitive, and he realizes this year isn't the year. Do you see more of this where mid-major teams are sort of stocking players away in the cupboard, keeping a year of their eligibility and forcing them or pressuring them to put the the needs of the team ahead of the needs of the student-athlete in any situation? That's where it starts to get scary because it's already a corrupt system anyway. We all know that. You add this level to it, and, man, you're going to have kids being pressured to do things that they may never want to be a part of just so the teams can be stacked in certain years. That's scary. Jason, let's be honest here, though, and I guess I'm – I don't want to say I'm speaking out against player empowerment here because I'm I'm the most you know pro uh, player uh, empowerment guy there is, and maybe I'm hanging out with Brett Martineau too much, but it it begs (laughs) the question now, though. So – Let's say in Houston that this was on the players. The, the players chose to do this. Well, what's to stop a player, especially w- with the transfer portal now? You know, let's say like he's on a pretty good team. There's a lot of hype around this season, and all of a sudden maybe his team starts one and three or something like that, and he chooses to sit out and he chooses to use that red shirt. Well, what's to stop him just to say, you know what? I thought this team was going to be good. They're not that talented. I want to transfer out of here, and I'm going to use my red shirt to do it. What's to stop a player from doing that as well? Well, you're right. Nothing. And, yeah. you know, is that good or bad? I mean, because yeah. do we want a system where all of a sudden your your best wide receiver goes down for your team, whatever team that might be, and so you're a quarterback and you look at it and say, well, you know what I don't want? I don't want to dip in my own production. I could take a red shirt this year, go play somewhere else next year, 
and have a shot at a national championship, you know, and that's that's what the transfer portal sort of opened up. And so, you know, we this is why whenever a new rule is instituted, and I think the transfer portal ultimately was instituted with really good intention, sometimes what you have to look at when you when you bring in a rule is what's the worst-case scenario in a way this could be abused. And as we start to see more familiarity with the transfer portal, we're going to have more of these moral questions come up about what's right and wrong for the player, what's right and wrong for the school, and what's right and wrong for the coach. And, you know, if everybody is abusing the rule from every different angle, a bunch of wrongs are not going to make this rule right, but the rule is still right in its intent. So how do you make it work? I don't know the answer to that, but, you know, if I'm, the, if I'm a fan, I'm looking at the NCAA saying, have they looked at every possible angle to make sure that they're protecting the game the right way? I, I love the answer there, and I, and I think there's a lot of issues to it, and there's no blanket answer, and I think that's pro- part of the problem, but I love the conversation because of it. Jason Fitz with us from ESPN, and, uh, you know, college football to me, Jason, is has, has so many old-school mentalities to it sometimes. Call it the good old boy network if you want. Just call it old school the way it was. This is the way it was. This is the way it was. This is the way it's got to be. Well, in the last however many years, now a couple of years, we've talked to UCF a lot, and I know with us you've talked to UCF a lot, and we've talked about it from a college football playoff standpoint well that ship sailed last week when they lost to Pitt. i don't want to drop the ucf conversation though because i still think they have proven over two and a half years that they can hang with any power five conference if they were to play would they go to the playoff every year no would they go undefeated probably not but can they hang with a power five conference can they beat a lot of teams in power five leagues absolutely they could and what if they had the resources the dollars and the four and five star guys that all these other schools can get and the ability to get so my question to you is we'll leave you here on a tuesday is what now with ucf from your point of view where does this story go is it now a dead thing across college football because they lost to pit I think that UCF has got to stop fighting for the little guy and start fighting for UCF now. And that's the thing. Like, they've been sort of the banner for everybody. I talk to Memphis every week, and I have for, for years. The guys over at Memphis, ESPN uh, affiliate are great guys. And they've been looking at UCF for the last two years as, hey, why, why, why can't this happen to Memphis? And that's the, the banner that UCF has had to sort of fly. For every school that wants consideration, they've been able to say, but look, UCF. UCF now needs to turn around and they need to figure out a way to put themselves in to one of the bigger conferences based on their sustained success and say, hey, look what we've been doing. Look what we're capable of doing. Everything that you just said about UCF is absolutely true. And the school belongs to be on a, on a bigger platform. Now that they don't have to fight for the little guy as their sort of calling card, they need to go in and play with the big boys every week. There's got to be a way that they can get themselves included in a conference. Whatever expansion it takes, we need to find a way to include UCF in and, and acknowledge that even if the system won't reward the smaller schools the proper way, I agree with you, it's a broken system that doesn't do that. But if the system isn't going to reward them, at least let a conference somewhere turn around and say, hey, we're going to reward that school because they bring value to what we do because they bring a fan base and they bring competitiveness. Jason Fitz, really good stuff, man. Always enjoy the oh, 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 you got another well, one. I mean, I'm not going to have Fitz come on the show. I'm not going to talk Wisconsin Badgers real quick. Oh, oh, it was the most impressive performance, I think, of the weekend, Brent. <laughs> so we're going to tackle it real quick, Jason, if you don't mind. And listen, Jason, we're kind of on the same page talking about the Wisconsin Badgers, right? Like, we know what they're going to do. They're, they're going to run the ball. It's not the sexiest form of football. And they have a quarterback in Jack Cohn who we didn't really know much about going into the Michigan game. Can he just make 
manage an offense? Can he not make mistakes? You know, the, it's kind of like a la Alex Hornibrook where he had some glimpses of brilliance and he lost him some games as well. <clears throat> well, I saw a guy in Jack Cohn, for the most part, who I thought managed the game pretty well. And then behind that offensive line who I thought was going to regress a little bit with new faces, it looks like they actually, you know, made some leaps and bounds. I mean, is Wisconsin a team now that you have to start taking seriously in that Big Ten? Yeah, they are, and you're absolutely right on everything you just said. We all thought that offensive line was going to be a little worse this year, and they're much better. I mean, you're talking about new faces that have gelled together quickly, yeah. and they're playing impressively well. Jonathan Taylor, uh, we know he's a stud. We know he can run over anybody. I predicted that they were going to crush Michigan. I, I thought that was going to happen, uh, but I don't think it's just a statement that Michigan is bad. It's a statement this Wisconsin team is that good, and it's really going to be interesting you know, when they start to play some of these, these flashier offenses in general, it's real. I look forward to a Wisconsin Ohio State type game in general mm-hmm. because the fact is Wisconsin control the, can control the line of scrimmage and in so they can, tr- they can control the clock. And as long as they can do that, man, you got to get on the field to score a bunch of points. Their defense is better than we think too. Wisconsin is, is sneaky good, and we're going to have to pay attention to them. I agree whole, wholeheartedly. Nice. Jason, I don't know if you know what just happened here, but this is like when Austin was playing football and like the clock struck zero, and he said to the ref, go put 30 seconds back on the clock. It's like he's in a cage for an MMA fight. <laughs> hey. He's like, no, the fight's not over. Hey, don't man. stop the fight. Hey. I want to keep going. Hey, and now gonna... forget about commercial breaks. Who cares if Fitz has another interview to do? We're staying here. Hey, he's bigger than us, man. Sorry, I can't control him sometimes. <laughs> Hey, when you're when you're the toughest man in the room, you get to make up the rules. That's the oh, way it goes around. Go I'm resume. all in for it. That's gonna go my next interview right there. I appreciate that, man. That's <laughs> and a, that is that's our clip of the week, kids. Oh, yeah. I have lost. Interest. <laughs> I'm trying to work <laughs> my new contracts, Jalen Ramsey style. It's the first thing I'm gonna say to my bosses. I have lost institutional <laughs> control. Jason Fitz, thanks for joining us, man. We'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Thanks, boys. Have a great week. All right. Have a good one. Catch Jason Fitz on Countdown to Game Day every Saturday morning with Maria Taylor and David Pollock. And you can hear Jason along with uh, Golik and Wingo every morning on ESPN 690. Hey, Austin, it's okay. We're going to take a timeout. I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, we are going to take a break. When we come back, uh, how about a little balling and falling? Let's get uh, it. Let's do that. Coming up next on ESPN 690. We'll also, a little bit later on, take it to Inglewood High School. A pretty cool moment over there today. Rasheen Mathis, we'll hear from him. Uh, we had Quincy Williams on Jags Report Live last night. We'll hear from the Jaguars rookie linebacker. And Joshua Dobbs, the Jags backup QB, joins us at 5 o'clock. So a lot to get to. We are live from Stream Song Resort in Central Florida. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. It's me, DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing. This is Action Sports Jacks. Oh, I love that one, by the way. Uh, coming back here to Stream Song Resort, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin, Stuart Weber here. Stuart will join us in just a bit. Maybe talk a little high school football, including our Baker Sports Coach of the Week. Uh, we've got that coming up in a very cool moment at Inglewood High School today involving the Jags, Rasheen Mathis, the Rams, and that program. So we'll uh, tell you all about it here from Rasheen Mathis coming up. Action Sports Jacks, Austin Lane back in the studios. John Bachman back there now. Catch him on CBS 47 and Fox 30 coming up tonight. Thanks for hanging around, John Bachman. We've got a lot of people part of this show today. I know. This is great. And by the way, Brett, did you get your round in today? I did, man. I was glad you asked. Uh-huh. And, and <laughs> so you... favor. Yeah. Do me a favor and ask me how I did on the 14th to the 18th hole. So you didn't have a very good start. How'd you do on the 14th through the 18th hole, Brett? <laughs> on the 14th hole, John, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> I had a birdie. 
Wow. On the 15th hole, I had a three, which is a par three. Okay. On the 16th hole, I had another birdie. Is this, okay. These are, the first, ball, these are your first balls? Oh, yeah, man. Okay, all right. You were using one. mulligans. And then mulligans. he woke up from his nap. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't do mulligans, and I don't do favorable lies. I play right. it as it lies. All right. I see two uh, under through uh, three holes. 16. Yes. Okay. Nice. Um, and then I bo- I three-putted 17. I hit the green and three-putted. By the mm. way, the greens at the Black Course here at Stream Song Resort are massive. Like, John, I'm not going to exaggerate, okay? No. Uh, no. I'm, no, I'm not, no, I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm going to say there is a green. There's at least one green that probably is the size of our TV side of the building. Wow. That's, I mean, so you're talking, you're talking like, uh, what would that be, like 60,000 square feet? Uh, sure. I had a 150-foot putt today. Jeez. Wow. That's, I did. Did I you measured. mark it off? Did you really, like, you yeah. walked it off? I walked it off because I wanted to see how big wow, it was. Wow, that's impressive. And, and some of that you know what that means is your iron game stinks. That's a good point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hit it closer no. next time. <laughs> hey, by the way, I, I, it really helps your greens and regulation stats. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. If you miss those greens, you got three real putt. problems. But uh, So then I, tr- I did three-putt that one, and okay. that one I shouldn't have three-putted. I wasn't 150 feet away, okay. and then I parred the 18th. So I finished strong. I shot. I, I did well in the back. I shot so you, 39. I got okay. off to a bad start. I shot 45 on the front. Well, that's a, you know, that's a tough course, and I assume you're playing from near the back tees. No, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. See, John, what the heck, man? I said this to Weber. I said, what, Weber? See, I, I, I like to play, what do we usually play, John? 68? Yeah, about 6,800. Yep. Okay, so I could have played like 6,900 yards, or they had a mix that was about 6,500 yeah. yards. Yeah. And then they had another one that was like 61. Oh, you didn't do 61. Yards. Well, but the, we played with other people, but, and you know but, you don't want to be but, the guy that's going back and, and all that stuff. Oh, oh. So, but so I say this to Weber after I hit, and and you know you know this, okay? This sometimes gets you in trouble playing the up tees. Well, you can't always hit driver, yeah. Well, I hit a driver like my best driver of the day today, in a hazard like because so, I didn't know there was a hill that went down, mm. and so I crushed it and it went down, and I, it's a penalty. So either way. I said to Weber, walking off the first tee, I'm like, ah, Weber, you know what? Everybody always asks what you shoot. They never ask what tee you play from. <laughs> Question number two from Bachman. What tee did you play? Oh, That's okay. only because I know you, Brent. That's only because I know you. I'm just hey, being honest with everybody. Hey, put it on your calendar November 9th, Brent. November 9th is a Saturday, and the Iowa Hawkeyes go to Camp Randall to beat up on the storied Wisconsin Badgers. Easy Ooh. now. Easy hey, now. you know what else happens November 9th, or we'd go up there, is uh, Austin's got a fight. That, that's a good point, too. I schedule, do. It's scheduled yeah. now. It's got, well, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't have an opponent yet, but it is scheduled. Okay, yes. not, <laughs> I can tell you it's not going to be me. It's it not going to be, be me. Well, it's it, not going to be, it might be Brent. It, now, that it, would be it, awesome. Keep talking, well, if we keep talking golf, it just might be Brent. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Brent. No, I'm just, I'm just stressed, man, because we're talking golf right now. That's making my head spin. we got Joshua Dobbs is coming and talk aerospace engineering. So... Pretty big day in my plate, you know. You're good. You're good. It is. You and can by, handle. You know, I said this to Stewart on the ride over late last night. I said Austin must be like shaken because we haven't even had a chance to talk like a smidge of wrestling. Oh, that's all or good, MMA. Man. I mean, there was an eye gouge in MMA the other day, and we didn't oh, even talk yeah. about it. Oh yeah, well that might be in my falling actually. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. Coming up. All right, John. What's going on? Right. What you got coming? Well, hey, I'm John. Have you been here? I have not. I, I, I was looking for an invite, but again, I got big time by Stuart yep. for the second time yep. in three days. Yeah, Stuart's a big time guy. Golly. Uh, I will say this. This is seriously speaking. Um, yeah. You know, this is a really cool place. And I've been before, um, never played the black course, and it's just a great place. But 
it's a cool place to get like say eight or twelve buddies or even uh, couples and the wives can have fun here do their thing in the the spa and and everything else and the the guys go play golf or if though if the women want to play golf too all, all that stuff but there's a lot to do here and uh, this would be a great like two or three day trip to kind of have like a Ryder Cup format with a bunch of buddies. Yeah, it sounds like a great. I mean, I've, I'd love to do it. I was waiting for the invite, so next maybe next year. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll invite you, but now the next thing you're going to do is you're probably going to have to have me pay for you. <laughs> well, I mean, you do have a radio show. I do. Uh, <laughs> that's that bad boy. No, no, that's not what I mean. I just mean because you have a radio show, you make all the big bucks. That's what I was saying. That's true. Um, all right, what do you got? So, so we have uh, a story tonight that we've been working on actually for a couple of days. Uh, uh, a, a, a woman, an older woman who is a teacher with Duval County Schools was at a youth football game last week. Yeah. Got beat up. Like, I mean, her kneecap got separated from her knee and like the ACL was torn. I mean, it was like, Jeez. it was pretty bad. She's still in the hospital. So we're going to hear from her family and, and find out exactly what was going on. There's U12 football. I mean, really? you, Brent, you, you've got young kids who play youth sports. I have kids who play youth sports. It's. I mean, it's. This is obviously way worse than what what I've seen, but it's. I mean, it's not a stretch to see. You know, parents getting in fisticuffs. It's intense, man. It I is. don't care what anybody says, and it's intense. And it, a lot of times, it's a shame. You're right, but it's reality. It just it, is intense. And I would say right always, wrong, it's a shame, but uh, but it is definitely a reality. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's and it's just not a dad's thing. It's, it's no. not just a mom's thing. No. It's, it's a coach thing sometimes, and. And there's uh, a, yeah. yeah, there's it's a lot healthy. Of, it is. There's a lot of emotion when you got your kids and stuff, obviously. But uh, yeah, it's it's anyway. So that's a that's going to be a talker today. And then uh, one other kind of story that we were really um, in Nassau County. There were some bones found. Of course, there's a big missing persons case out of Nassau County. Julian Cummings mm-hmm. um, has made the headlines for for a long time now. And so instantly we were all like, "Is this? Is it?" It doesn't sound like it. They are her remains, but. Um, they're still sorting through all the details, so Jeez. we're working on that as well. Did so, I see a tweet, by the way, that like there are ten missing person cases in West Nassau? Well, that's the thing. We were we're going down oh, I mean, the I'm list sorry, in, Nassau, in County. Nassau County. Yeah, they're 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 going through that list. They they uh, the last I heard was they they may have a decent idea who who it is based on the proximity proximity of where that particular person disappeared. But um, yeah, they 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 went through that long list of folks to see who it could be. Um, and obviously it doesn't have to be one of theirs. It could have been somebody else. But um, yeah. that's where we're at on that story. We're going to get to the – or try to get to the bottom of that. Um, All right, man. So, yeah, a lot going on. Appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, tonight, 5 to 7 o'clock, join John Bachman, Tanika Hughes, and Mike Borish for Action News Jacks, 5 p.m. until 7 p.m., CBS 47 and Fox 30, and, of course, later tonight, 10 and 11. Have a good night, man. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, have, thanks for having me. And, Brent, uh, glad you played well from uh, at least the last five holes. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm glad you asked about it. All right. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> I'll take my check later. All right. See uh, hey, uh, Austin, get ready, man. Get primed. A little uh, UFC talk for you. Yeah. Uh, part of your balling and falling. We got that coming up. I got a really cool story to tell you about with Inglewood High School and some other Ballin' and Fallen items. We'll bring in Marcel Robinson, who was at the Inglewood event. We'll hear from Rasheen Mathis. Stuart Weber joins me from here. We're bringing in the whole team, man. I mean, it's like a tag team match coming up from Stream Song Resort all the way back to Jacksonville and the Action Sports Jack Studios. My money is not on us. <laughs> but if it's scripted, you never know who's writing the script. You never know. It's all on the way next on ESPN 690. 
Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jack star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Welcome back, everybody. Brent Martineau, Stuart Weber here at Streamsong Resort in Central yeah. Florida. Very cool place. How did you play golf today, Weber? I definitely played golf today. What, hey, Austin, who is what back up? in the Action Sports Jack Studios, tired of hearing about my golf game. It's all good. Uh, let's, yes. let's be honest. I haven't really talked a lot about the golf game. I've tried to not do that. But John brought it up. He wanted to know how I did on 14, 15, and 16. You're, you're pretty proud of yourself, man. <laughs> and you know what? That's okay. Uh, Action Sports Jack's Marcel Robinson in as well. And... Uh, Stuart, you remember the story when he he had his club stolen? Uh, oh, yeah. Absolutely, yeah? of course. Well, Cheapskate over here hasn't bought a new set of clubs <laughs> yet, right? So he's been playing golf or borrowing clubs or not playing golf because he doesn't want to go buy clubs, or he's still wishful thinking that some cold case of his club yeah, I, I was stolen out of his garage. I, I was really hoping <laughs> that, uh, that JSO would give me a call and say, hey, sir, we found them. They're, they're alive and well. Your clubs are good. It never, it never came. Sometimes you gotta take the law in your own hands, Stuart. I'm telling you, knock down those doors, but you, you and me, I I'd have to take you along. Okay, you. fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, here's the deal. He doesn't have any yet. He's coming to stream song. We're gonna play a couple rounds of golf, and he doesn't have any like as of Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so he calls our good friends at the golf club at Southampton, Jim yep. Houston, and Derek and Willie. Now I will say this: this this had 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 been my plan. Okay. For a few weeks now, I just hadn't acted on it yet. I got you. Uh, so you know, I called like the guys. You said it's hard to pull the trigger when you get to spend it is a dollar. Ex- <laughs> it is extremely hard to pull the trigger when you're cheap like I am. Yes. <laughs> um, we'll just put it out there. I do not mind saying it. But yeah, so I, I called the guys over there. I knew that they had uh, you know some nice trial sets that uh, the folks get to rent out there, and they can either send them back to Titleist or you know they can sell them to uh, to people and. At a nicely discounted rate, so of course that uh, you know that perks my ears up quite a bit, and uh, so I went down there and I I made made the move, I, I got it done, and so I had the clubs except for a driver, uh, right. which I'm borrowing a meteorologist Garrett Beatonball's driver, so I blame him for all the issues today with with the driver on the golf course, all right, so and they were plentiful. That's your story, by the <laughs> way. Our friends at the golf club at Southampton uh, always a good place to go for any of your golfing needs as well. Yeah, I'm gonna uh, have to go back. Club. Go back, by the way, and have them teach me how to use the clubs <laughs> yes. because uh, that is that is highly necessary. And Jim will do it. Jim Houston's very good teacher. Yes. So, and, and the rest of the guys are too. Chris yeah. over there, and Willie, and, and Derek Kane. But uh, uh, Jim Jim's taught me a few things about mm-hmm. the swing. Not that it's helped sometimes, but uh, you like to think it does. All right, uh, let's bring in Marcel Robinson as well here, and uh, big day at Inglewood we're going to get to, but uh, start with balling and falling. Austin, go ahead. What's your balling? Uh, let me bring it back up here. So, we are going balling. Uh, well, I don't like giving this conference a lot of props, Brent. They're kind of my enemy, but with Utah losing now and Cal being the only remaining team that's undefeated in the AI and in the Pac-12, it's safe to say that the SEC right now it's kind of balling, you know, with teams like Alabama and Georgia obviously are, are, are solid that we thought they were going to be. But I think with a little surprise of LSU, Florida's still undefeated, haven't really played anybody yet. Uh, and kind of the burdens of Auburn, I think it's safe to say that the, uh, that the SEC conference, Brent, is indeed balling and probably not good for your college football playoff predictions. <coughs> 
Yeah, probably not. Uh, you know, listen, there's a sense of it. I, I get it, man. But when I think SEC, I think everybody loves to talk about the weight of the conference and how good it is all across the board. And I still don't know if I see that. I think LSU is very good. And, and now the, the gap good. is closed. Yeah. And Alabama, obviously Georgia, and Florida. you got to give credit to Florida, although I believe there's still a hefty gap between Florida and Georgia and Alabama and even LSU and Florida. We'll find out. they got a chance yeah. to prove me wrong over the next month or so. But I ha- they haven't necessarily proven me right yet with the schedule they've had. Sure. Tennessee is terrible. Kentucky is eh. South Carolina is not good. Big test you know, this week. I mean, you've got Arkansas. Towson is awful. <laughs> Arkansas just lost to San Jose State. These, these cool. schools. So, yes, it's top-heavy. Um, it's not across the board unbelievable, but relative to other conferences, too, they all have the same problem. So I understand well, what you're saying. And let's be honest here. I mean, I think it's safe to say now that we look at it that there's probably going to be two SEC schools represented in the college football playoff. I mean, would I be wrong to say that? Yeah, I still think you're wrong to say that, yeah. Okay. Uh, Interesting. Because here, here's the deal. I, I be, do you think anybody's beaten Oklahoma? Uh, no. Okay, so Oklahoma's getting in. Big yes. Ten will, will most likely have somebody. Ohio State looks really good. Yeah. And so maybe your Wisconsin Badgers do something, but Ohio State looks really good. Yeah. Clemson's getting in. They're cruising. That, they play in like a uh, – they shouldn't <laughs> well, even be called a Power Five conference in the ACC this year other than Clemson. And the SEC, yes. Is yeah. there a possibility – Austin, yes. Do they have a chance? Because LSU, uh, Alabama, and Georgia, I would say right now, could sit in that kind of seat. Yes, there's an opportunity for it. But I don't think it's a a foregone conclusion. That's the way it's going to go down. Fair enough. Uh, All right, my ball in real quick. Uh, it's really Inglewood, but I want to add one more. Did you see the Nelson Aguilar story? Oh, yeah. That, that was going to be my cruise control. Okay. Uh, well, all right. You save it for that because I want to get into Inglewood. Okay. Um, but it's a cool story, so stay tuned yeah, to that one a little bit really later cool. in the show for Nelson Aguilar, and I'll give that one to you. See, we Thank don't you. organize this stuff. We try to be organic we sure with don't. our balling and falling and staying in your lane, and maybe we shouldn't be because maybe it's bad radio. But either way, <laughs> we try to do it. Uh, anyway. Englewood, Marcel, let's bring you in, bud. Uh, what a cool scene over there today. This has been in the works for a long time. The Jacksonville Jaguars, along with Rasheen Mathis, donate a big chunk of money. I believe, Marcel, it's $100,000 for renovations to the Englewood High School uh, football locker rooms uh, or athletic locker rooms. Tell us a little bit more about the story. Uh, yeah, you hit the the number right on the head. It was 100 k uh, the Jaguars Foundation and Community Partners. Uh, kind of been, like you said, working on this process for a little while, uh, having construction trucks and, and of course, you know, you know, painting and all that good stuff coming in and out of the locker room uh, to kind of really fix it up. They'd been kind of setting up shop in the, uh, not necessarily their visitor's locker room, but kind of an alternate locker room for game days. Um, and, it, and it's just one of those things where, from a facility standpoint, that particular locker room, which, which should be, you know, the pinnacle of where those guys can come and hang out and everything like that, it just wasn't, uh, you know, up to the standard that, that they you know, obviously would like it to be. So the Jaguars Foundation kicking in with and with the community partners and, of course, Rasheen Mathis being a former Englewood Ram uh, coming through and turning the place out, giving a nice little football facelift to get the kids excited. Um, it was a pretty good day. Now, they're not getting, like, those LSU sleep-in suites <laughs> VIP boots, are they? No suites, but, I mean, they did get some complimentary uh, body wash and deodorant, so I guess there's that. Hey, <laughs> hey the, the elder students of the high school thank them. By the way, in high school, that's a big deal. That's huge. Yeah. That is I, actually, for everybody necessary. And actually, the biggest deal of the whole thing, it's funny because we uh, get gotten the tour. You know, they've got new coaching areas, new carpet, and all the walls are painted. The Jaguars actually also donated a bunch of... Um, Kind of their practice jerseys from the older, older, um, older squad. Oh, cool. yeah. So they got a new practice jerseys, new, 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 um, thigh pads, hip pads, gloves, uh, you name it, all the new equipment. But cool. 
Above all else, the number one thing, talking to head coach uh, J.D. over at Inglewood, he says the biggest difference, they now have air conditioning in the locker room. Wow. That's a big deal in the summer, man. How are you going to be in Florida and not have air conditioning in your locker room, man? Wow. Yeah, well, I mean, I think you can't have it. I I guess, yeah. uh, That's good that they do have it now. Listen, this is a passionate point for me, and I'm not from here. But this is something that, in, in, in all fairness, when I say this and I talk about it, I'm always aware that things may go on that people don't want in the public eye. So guys that have played in the NFL or played Major League Baseball or wherever and have done well, and, and maybe it's business, folks, but the ones we talk about are the guys that play professional sports from these kind of schools. They may have made donations that we don't know about. And so all the love and, and respect in the world if they haven't done that. But my bone of contention at places like Reigns, at places like Inglewood, with the folks that have played there, if you want to list the folks that have gone through those programs, football, and really I think baseball when it comes to Inglewood is what I bring up, and, and see what they've done with their careers, how much money they've made in their careers in professional sports, I always sit back and I'm like, why don't these programs have better facilities? Why? I, I feel like Range should have a, an unbelievable facility. Uh, and I know they've made donations. And heck, Leonard Fournette made donation to the web, to, to the weight room. So I, I don't know why I, I st- I'm stuck on this so much, but I feel like Inglewood baseball should have one of the best uh, facilities in, in in the state, given all the people that have gone through there. Uh, Brett Myers has gone through there. Uh, you know, Daniel Murphy's gone through there. I mean, the list goes on and on. And that's that's a very short list that I just gave you. But in, in it, I'm singling out those two because those are examples of it. But my point is, when you have such talent that comes from northeast Florida and you have these schools, you'd love to see folks given back and their facilities be handed off to the next generation and names beyond those buildings in locker rooms so kids can dream of being the next one of those guys. And I, it's not just the player's fault in this. I, I've looked this up a little bit. I've researched it a bit, not enough. I've talked to people about it. I think a lot of it happens with the miscommunication when you have turnovers of athletic directors and coaches and they don't keep those ties yeah. with the past. And that's a job that they need to do, especially to build some of their facilities. So, for well, me, some colleges have problems doing that too. Well, you're right, and it's not easy. Yeah. Uh, and it's not easy. You don't want to be hand out all the time asking for money. Sure. You hope sometimes people would just drop off the check. It's it's not doesn't always work that way. Mm-hmm. But I just feel like some of these schools should be better off, given the people they've produced. Yeah. And you just don't know the inner workings of it. So I don't blame anybody in particular. I just wish it happened more in our area. So I think this is awesome today that Rasheed Mathis and the Jacksonville Jaguars help out Inglewood and that football program. And we'll see where the football program goes from here. You know, it hasn't been that good, yeah. uh, Stuart. And Coach J.D. Stalva has been doing it. You know, he's they've been, had guys that have tried like yeah. their butt off to do to do good things. There was a lot of turnover with facilities. coaches. Yeah, and you know, to to get the kids excited about it, sometimes that's the 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 catalyst, the spark that you need to really get them going. And you know, uh, and Coach is a very optimistic, very energetic guy. And hopefully, this just just adds one more kind of carrot uh, to help those kids kind of keep coming to the program and keep playing. Yeah, I, I listen. Athletes do a lot of things. Again, this is not just on athletes that make a lot of money. Yeah, it's not just that. It's it's athletic directors, it's coaches, it's all the works. I just feel like there should be some of these schools should be better off. So this is an awesome deal uh, that the Jaguars and Rasheen Mathis did. And uh, I know Marcel was over there today. Pretty cool scene and caught up with Rasheen Mathis. Scott, if we can hear a little bit from Rasheen Mathis about today's events, let's do it.
On the way here, I was thinking that this is my 20th year out of high school. Um, I graduated in 99, so to come back and see it, it, it brings back emotions because I, I walked these halls um, and I, I sat in a locker room over there, in, in a locker over there. Um, I played on the same field. I ran around this track. Um, my parents um, and my family sat in these stands. You know, I, I am a Ram. I am a Ram, so it, it means a lot to me. Um, so I, I and we as a Ram family can't thank my Jaguar family enough. Big difference, big difference. Um, I actually came to the spring game and talked to the guys and, and seeing the conditions and to see them now is, is heartwarming. Um, so it, it, it shows how much the Jaguars is part of this community and, and, and how much they respect the community that, 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 that surrounds the team. Thinking with that a little bit more, like you just said, being the Jaguars community and this being you know, your high school, the Inglewood community, yes. can you speak a little bit more on just how much it feels for you, obviously, with something like this that's so close to home? It, it means a lot. My, fresh, my ninth grade year in high school was the Jaguars' first season here in Jacksonville. Um, and I remember working at concessions in the Jaguar Stadium that year. And other than that, until I got drafted, I never saw the field. I never saw inside of the stadium. Um, and that's me being from here, um, growing up in this community. So for these guys, for these kids to experience what they're about to experience today is something that they will never forget. And it's going to be life changing for a few of them. So, and that's what it's about changing lives and we, I think we're going to do that today. With you being a former football player something like this obviously with a high school kid you want to keep the guys at the same school to yes. build the program. Something like this obviously helps with uh, keeping that going right? Exactly. I was just talking to the coaches about it. Um, when you know, when kids are visiting schools now since we have this whole thing in Florida where you can go wherever you want to go when you want to go it, it speaks volume when they're able to walk into something and, and they see the freshness of it. And they, and they see the commitment level of it. So this is this is big for our school. Rasheen Math, this is awesome, man. We've uh, talked to him quite a bit over the last – remember we had him on in June, Austin. Oh, yeah. And, uh, we had him on our TV stuff uh, recently on, on Jaguars All Access and also on Countdown to Kickoff. Uh, he's, I love I love seeing him get settled back in and, and in the community. And he is such an awesome story, uh, underrated story, undertold story at times, I believe, as good as a football player as he was. Went to Bethune-Cookman, grew up here, and then plays in the NFL. And he's a big baseball guy, too, at heart. So – uh, awesome, awesome day today at Inglewood. Marcel, one more thought on this. Can you tell us the reaction? I mean, what was the reaction from the kids? Can you describe it a little bit for us? Oh, my goodness. It's, uh, it's, it's Christmas in September. Um, <laughs> I mean, they had, they kind of had us set up off to the side a little bit so we could uh, – uh, it was funny. The way they actually set it up was they told the team they were taking a team picture. Um, they, so I don't even think they actually knew Rasheen was even there. So so Coach JD kind of had them outside, and he sort of set them all up and said, hey, you know, you guys ready to take your team picture and blah, blah, blah. And then he said – and he kind of started getting into it, and he introduced Rasheen was there. So he came out, and, of course, everyone was excited. And at that point, they took all of his media members kind of around the backside just to kind of w- wait for them to come in. And, and of course, you know, we could hear as soon as they opened the door, all the kids running in, uh, uh, screaming and cheering and, and wide-eyed, and, and I'm pretty sure – uh, there was no short of, of Instagram and Snapchat stories and, and everything. And, and just, just kind of see the kids going in there and just grabbing all the stuff. And 
uh, checking out their new pads and, and they have new speakers in there now so they can play music and everything. And it was just, I mean, there's really no other way to put it other than Christmas in September. Yeah, that's good stuff. A good description of it. And, you know, listen, cats off to the Jags and Rasheen Mathis and what they mean to the community and players like that. And Calais Campbell, I mean, he's donating $18,000 to feed in Northeast Florida based off his performance last Thursday night. I saw Ryan O'Halloran, our buddy who's going to come on tomorrow. Uh, he, you know, he's from the Denver area, Calais is, and he donated money to some uh, charities. 5000 apiece to four different charities in, there. In Denver, yeah. the Denver area. Yep. I, it's it's good stuff. We, we get wrapped up in the emotion of being fans and all this kind of stuff uh, that sometimes you lose sight of how important the organization, I think, is to the fabric of the city and players are to the city, especially homegrown ones like Rasheen Mathis. All right, uh, I do have another thought or two on it, but I don't want to lose sight of Ballin and Fallen. My quick Fallen is Kevin Durant is uh, out for all of next year, it looks like. So we, we, we thought that could be the case, Austin. Yeah. But, man, what a bummer going to a new team and knowing that you're not going to be there. What a bummer to get a max contract, though, and just uh, pretty much get paid to rehab the entire year. Yeah, but he, <laughs> didn't, he doesn't need the money. No, man. no, I understand that. But, um, yeah, listen, I mean, it, it, you know, it kind of is what it is. I mean, there was a thought that he was going to be out for the whole season, and now those thoughts are coming true. Uh, you know, knowing him, I think he, he still has a lot to prove. Um, I still think he wants to kind of take on a team by himself and be the man. No offense to Kyrie Irving, but one would think once Kevin Durant comes back uh, to the Nets that he is going to be the man, and Kyrie Irving is going to kind of be his Robin to uh, Kevin Durant's Batman. Who knew that he had a 12-month non-compete on that contract? Ah, very good. It's like he's in the media business here. Uh, hey, Austin, we'll get to your fall in, uh, in just a moment. Some eye gouging going on next, and then break out your calculator, <laughs> your uh, your 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 educational glasses. My maybe? protractor. I don't, I don't know. What else are you talking here? <laughs> what? You got to get your like. You got to get your smarts on. Is what I'm trying yes. to say. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't want to label. How about anybody, a thesaurus so we can come up with more words on. to come up with this, stuff. This this next segment will be sponsored by Texas Instruments. Yeah. There you go. Uh, backup quarterback Josh Dobbs from the Jaguars, former Tennessee Vol, joins us next on ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30, Action Sports Jacks. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Well, we're split up here on the show today. Uh, tag team partners from Streamsong Resort in Central Florida, Polk County, Brent Martineau and Stuart Weber. And back in the Action Sports Jack Studios, former Jags player, current MMA fighter, Austin Lane and Marcel Robinson. And Scott's hanging out with us, too, uh, doing a great job uh, on the show. So thanks, everybody, for being with us here on ESPN 690. Josh Dobbs is going to join us in just a moment, but I wanted Austin to get his fallen in. And I know it had to do with that eye gouge type of thing over the weekend, right? Uh, yeah, so far. Fallen, man. Uh, Jeremy Stevens versus Ayer Rodriguez, UFC 159. Uh, I'm sorry, UFC Fight Night 159 from Mexico City. Uh, listen, Mexico City, they, they don't get a lot of UFC fights there, so there was a lot of hype around this one. Ayer Rodriguez, you know, kind of one of Mexico's favorite sons, taking on a very game Jeremy Stevens. It's kind of more of a brawler, but both guys, you know, they come to bring it. I think Rodriguez had the best KO last year, so there was so much hype around this fight. And obviously, I was tuned in, uh, you know, with uh, with the, with the 
eager eyes. And to say the least, um, it lasted 15 seconds, not because of a knockout, but because of an eye gouge. And uh, I, I guess the eye gouge was so bad on Jeremy Stevens where he couldn't see, he couldn't open his eyelid. They gave him five minutes to try to, you know, regain his composure. It wasn't enough after five minutes. They called the fight, much to the dismay of, uh, you know, the fans there in Mexico City as they peppered the octagon with bottles, food, whatever they could throw, basically. It was absolute anarchy in yeah. Mexico City. And needless to say, um, a lot of fans left that stadium uh, pretty pissed off. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Uh, not the way it was supposed to go. That will show you it's unscripted. It is, it is unscripted. <laughs> in, uh, well, in the UFC. And, and to be fair, quick to try to defend Jeremy Stevens, like, look, he, he, Jeremy Stevens wasn't afraid to of this fight. You know, I mean, Jeremy Stevens has been doing this for a very long time. Guy has over 40 UFC fights. He has over 40 fights in the octagon. So with that being said, this wasn't a way out. You know, it's just one of those freak things where he got eye poked, and hopefully they can run it back sometime in the future. All right, we just mentioned uh, cool things the Jaguars are doing in the community. Rasheen Mathis and the Jaguars and, and all uh, with what they did at Inglewood High School today. Well, it's cool when guys on their off days uh, take a few minutes out and join yeah. us. We know life in the NFL can be busy. Uh, you used to experience that, Austin. Now you like every day's an off day for you. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> let's bring in Josh Dobbs, Jaguars backup quarterback and uh, uh, guy by way of the Pittsburgh Steelers, by way of the Tennessee Volunteers uh, from Georgia. Hey, man, thanks for hanging on the line with us. Thanks for uh, taking a few minutes on your day off with us. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm glad to uh, be, on, be on call with you guys and, and talk a little bit. All right. Now, we won't quiz you and try to put your SAT and, and 4.0 and <laughs> aerospace engineering to, to – to good use, uh, because quite frankly, we wouldn't even know what kind of questions to ask you. Uh, but we might get into that part a little bit later on. What I really want to know right now is, have you grown a mustache? or I mean, are you, are you looking into putting the fake one on for Mitchell Mania? I mean, what's going on inside the locker room right now because of all this uh, Mitchell Mania stuff that's happening? Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. Now, I can't grow a mustache, um, so I don't know if I can partake. I've I got to get, get my fake mustache collection I, going. I know you have to do your fake one. I know it. <laughs> but, no, it's awesome. He's been awesome. It's been great to see the success of the team and the team rallying behind him and you know, going out and playing good football on Sunday. So it, it's, it's been fun to watch and a fun to be a part of. I asked Austin this earlier because he played in the NFL for a handful of years, and these kind of things are unique when you feel something like this. Uh, is it for you, too? I mean, you were in Pittsburgh for a couple of years, and obviously there was a lot of stuff going on in Pittsburgh. And, and so, uh, you know, the, the storylines come in different waves and in different styles. But how unique is this to kind of feel the buzz in Jacksonville uh, around what's happening at the quarterback position and in your quarterback room? It's fun. It's, it's a lot of fun, especially, you know, to have – you know, positive, positivity spreading around the team. You know, people eager to come see the team play, come see um, the team take the field, and people energized about the team, about the Jags. You know, you walk around the city and getting a lot of go Jags, and people just excited to watch us play football. So it's um, definitely fun to be around, great energy to have um, around the city. And, you know, hopefully you know, as a room and as a team, we can keep it going, keep the positive momentum, and um, continue it throughout the rest of the season. Uh, Josh, so you, you get traded September 9th, right? And I believe that was on a Monday, if I'm not mistaken. Um, you essentially have six days to get acquainted with, with a new team, a new city. And I know all about that, man. But thankfully, I had, I had a little longer time to do that. And I was playing defense where 
I don't have to worry about the terminology of an offense. I don't have to worry about a very thick playbook. All I had to worry about was, all right, you're playing a 4-3 over defense. Very cool. But from your perspective, I mean, so let's fast forward now. So then you play on Sunday. You know, you guys are in Houston with the Texans. Going into that game, how confident were you if your number was going to get called that you were prepared to lead that offense? I, I was confident. I was, I was ready to go. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, as the week goes, your feel for the offense um, you understand the offense, it grows. Of course, yes, it's, it's, it's very quick. You know, as you said, I started on a Monday, and it was, you know, a little ironic because, not ironic, but unique because, you know, when I was with the Steelers, we played in New England the night before for the Sunday night football game. So we didn't get back to like 3 or 4 in the clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I was traded basically a couple hours later. Um, so you get on fight to Jacksonville. Right when you get here, you know, you're running a whole new offense, a playbook. So first practice on Wednesday, it goes by really fast. Because as, as you know, um, when you play football, every team has their own, you know, unique ways of practicing, their practice style. So you're trying to just figure out where to go on the field and then what play is being called and then go out and execute in the play. So it goes by quick as a whirlwind, but Thursday comes, it slows down a little bit. Uh, Friday comes, it slows down a little more. And then Saturday, of course, you know, you're studying all evening um, through the game plan, through your notes. Um, you have like a notebook full of notes just trying to make sure you – you know, you get the big picture of the plays, but as a quarterback, the toughest part is, you know, you know what to do, but communicating it to everyone. Being Correct. able to spit it out when you hear it in the headset. Mm-hmm. So you, so just constantly saying them, having other people saying the plays to you, repeating the plays back to yourself, making sure you're getting all the little nuances correctly. So then um, if you were to take the field or whenever, you're able to tell everyone what to do, direct the, direct the, direct the huddle, direct the team. Um, so yeah, it was a uh, it was a long week. I can't lie, but by Sunday I was I was probably a thousand steps ahead of where I was on Wednesday. So <laughs> it took a lot of hard work to get there, and the coaching staff helped me a lot, and other players also helped me um, to get get to that comfort level by game day. Jaguars quarterback Josh Dobbs, former Tennessee Vol, with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Martin along with Austin Lane. How surprised were you when you got traded? I was I was a little surprised, um, but again, you know, when just being in this, I guess, profession for for the three two three years I was here, you know, you you kind of learn to you know keep an open mind. You, you never know what what may happen. Um, just from other situations I've seen with teammates, I was in Pittsburgh. Um, so you know, when they gave me the call, I was surprised, but I was very open minded. I was excited about the opportunity to come to Jacksonville. I was excited about the opportunity to be a part of Jacksonville. We played the Jags when I was up there. And so I got to see how difficult the defense was to go against when we were preparing for them week in and week out. So I knew it would be a great situation, and I was excited to get down here. So um, it's been great. I'm just really honestly taking it a day at a time, whether it's you know in the complex or outside the complex, figuring out where to even go eat. Um, so <laughs> I'm learning I'm learning a lot every day you know, about life in the complex, life outside of football, but it's been a blast. I'm enjoying the process. Josh, we hear all the time about John Filippo and how one of his biggest um, assets is the fact that he can adjust his quarterback to make uh, – I'm sorry, he, he can adjust his offense to make it fit the quarterback. You know, and I think we're seeing that with Gardner Minshew a little bit. And I get that you're still new to the team, but do you kind of get that sense a little bit? Like, has he kind of adjusted it for you a little bit to make it easier on your style of play? He has. You know, he – I think um, the coolest thing about him is, you know, he comes to QB rooms and he's – studying the film with us. He's studying the game plan with us. He uh, group installs, so you're, everyone's able to get a sense of the play calls and why he's calling each play for each situation. 
Um, so that's been great, you know, just a week, two weeks into the offense, just being able to pick his mind and understand as a play caller what he's seeing every situation, what he's seeing with each play, and how he wants to attack the field. Um, so he's been, he's been awesome. You know, you kind of see every week we have different things. But at the end of the day, you know, it's all about what is the quarterback comfortable with calling because then he'll be more likely to go out and execute it on game day. So um, it's been a blast. I know um, our relationship will continue to grow, and you definitely see it week in and week out, and it will definitely continue to evolve as the season progresses. Jags quarterback Josh Dobbs with us here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. You know, it's interesting. You bring up, and I bet you get – which is a weird thing to get kidded about sometimes, but I mean, you're a smart guy. I mean, that's a cool thing. I mean, uh, but you, you, people bring up that aerospace engineering. I don't mean they make fun. I'm just saying they bring up, man, you're a smart dude, and they kind of compliment <laughs> you that way. Uh, and and I think the same is said about Gardner Minshew. That's what people rave about him, right? They pick, he picked up that difficult Mike Leach system at Washington State, and he was able to thrive in it. And I think he knows this offense, and it looks like he's playing well under it. I guess my question to you though is, guys, you guys can pick it up. From an outside view, and I'm not, I'm not a guy that's played quarterback. I'm not a guy that's played. So I, I respect the heck out of what you guys do. But I've always had this uh, thought that it's sometimes overcomplicated on the offensive side of things. Uh, is there more of a simplicity to an offense than people think? Um, and is it just kind of like the language that throws everybody off? <laughs> I'd say you kind, of, you kind of hit it on the head You know, at the end. I think people get enamored with the long play calls and the uh, crazy names that you come up with um, to name each play. But it's kind of like, you know, learning a foreign language at first. You know, it's like Spanish is really easy if you speak Spanish every day. If you are around Spanish every day, if you're studying Spanish every day, it becomes really easy. Um, It's just like a football playbook. You know, every term means something different. Every term tells someone what to do on the play sheet. So, Yes, it's complicated from outside looking in, but inside looking out, you know, you're able to simplify it because, you know, the play calls are long because they're telling each position, um, whether it's the O-line, whether it's the receivers, whether it's the running back, whether it's the fullback tight end. They're telling them, you know, what you're doing, how to line up, where to line up, where to move pre-snap, and then what to do post-snap. So as a football player, we were able to simplify it down because, at least for me, because each play, you know, it's, it's kind of like a picture. You know, you get the picture, you get it drawn up in the playbook, and if you're able to kind of see the picture in your head, you know what everyone's doing as a quarterback position, it makes it easier to call out the play because you're able to systematically put people in each spot. So, you know, it's, it's very similar to learning a foreign language, but it's something that if you do it every day, and then once you go from the classroom, seeing it to actually acting it out on a football field, it simplifies the terminology, the playbook a lot to where it's almost second nature. You know what you're doing right when you hear a certain term. It just triggers something in your brain and you're boom, off to the races and executing that play. So um, it, take, it takes a while. And obviously, you know, as you go up through the ranks, when you start PV to high school to college to the NFL, the playbooks get more and more complicated or complex because you're running more plays. You have to give the defense different looks. But, you know, if you have that strong base, you're able to really, you know, pick it up pretty quickly and, and hit the ground running. A lot harder than defense, Austin. A lot harder than defense, man. <laughs> so, 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 Josh, man, um, you know, when, when we're talking about uh, your, your story is so fascinating. We have to touch on it a little bit here. So you're an aerospace engineer major at, at the University of Tennessee. And on top of that, you're a very s- successful college football player. So a few questions here. The first question is, how do you – because, I mean, it's – dude, the, 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 the life of a college football player – 
college athlete um, is strenuous enough without the, you know your studies. So how did you balance being such a big major like that with aerospace engineering and also being the starting quarterback of the Tennessee Vols? And number two, did you find that when you went to the combine and you're getting interviewed by scouts or, or coaches or GMs, I mean, did they kind of question your love of football just because you had such a crazy major where you could probably pursue that anytime you wanted to? Hey, yeah, I got a couple of stories on those. We'll get to those. But All right. you know, in, in, in school, um, you know, I knew when I went to school, um, I, I, was, had, I was given a blessing to play sports, to go to college. But also, I knew I wanted to go and take advantage of the opportunity. And it was very important to me to study a major that I was interested in. And I knew, I know I can't, you can't play football forever. As long as, you know, we want to play football. As we see Tom Brady, hopefully everyone has a career that long. We're yeah. into our 50s, right? Um, but someday you're going to have to do something else. So I knew, you know, my other interest outside of football was aviation. I was good at math and science. Um, so when I was trying to figure out what major I wanted to do, you know, aerospace engineering was kind of right up my alley. I could get a chance to learn about aviation. I get a chance to be good at math and science in school and just go to class and enjoy going to class and learning about a topic I was genuinely interested in and then go to football and play a sport that I love playing at. I love competing in. So um, that, that, that's why I ended up choosing aerospace engineering. And of course, yeah, was it difficult? Yeah, for sure. You know, the schedule every single day, as you know, often, you know, being in sports, you know, it's, it's every single day, um, yeah. especially at the college level. And so when your half your day is already given to football, the other half is given to school. It's like, when do you find time to study or just be yourself? So it definitely was a process. Um, it took a lot of time management skills for sure. I think I closed down the library like <laughs> every single day in college. I was the last one leaving, but um, it was a blast. And it really helped me, you know, for a situation like this where you're thrust into a situation, you have to quickly learn a playbook, you fall back on your habits, your, your study skills, your time management ability. And that's what helped me to be able to make the adjustment quickly. Um, so, you know, when you go off to the combine and people are asking, you know, oh, I see you're interested in engineering, like people are asking, so um, do you want to be an engineer or do you want to be a football player? Or do you want to do this one? <laughs> of you know, course, like, of course. Yeah, I played football since I was five years old. You know, every fall out there, every August, you're in camp since you were five. So this is like my 19th season or something. So um, I think, you know, my dedication to football is pretty high up there. So sure. um, it doesn't take much convincing, but, you know, you always have, those people that um, that are just different, you know, and kind of view your story differently and, and try to make it a negative. But I think there's a positive. I got a got a chance to study my favorite major. I got a chance to play my favorite sport in college, and I wouldn't do any, any different if I had to. Fantastic. All right, uh, Josh Dobbs with us, Jags quarterback, former Tennessee Vol, quick hitters, and then I'll let you go. I don't want you to stay too long, uh, but we appreciate you okay. jumping in on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Enjoy and get to know you, and I'm sure the Jags fans haven't uh, had a chance to get to know you like this, so we appreciate you taking the time. But uh, to follow up on Austin, like, quickly, what will you do after football then? Like, what does aerospace engineering get to you? Like, what would you like to pursue? Uh, I've had opportunities to study, I guess, at NASA, actually, not too far down the road. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a chance to go there, got a chance to work with Pat and Whitney. So I know I want to do something, you know, whether it's aviation or space. Um, I've been able to, I've been blessed with wonderful opportunities to see, like, how big the field is. You know, when I first got into it, I thought it was, like, just building and designing airplanes. But that's just so simple. You know, there's so many things you can get into, whether it's NASA, SpaceX, Airbus, Boeing, uh, Pratt & Whitney, uh, GE, so many companies, so many opportunities. Um, so, um 
still taking it all in day by day uh, with my experiences. I'll be able to build a plan uh, post-football. That's what, you know, NFL is amazing. Open stores both on the field and off the field for you. Very good. Uh, okay, I'd be rem- I have to ask you about this. How much concern for you as a uh, fellow football player and a guy that knew Antonio Brown, uh, are you about him not using his talent uh, the right way, maybe his career being over in the NFL, everything that's been around this situation. Uh, how surprising is it? Are you sad for it? What's your reaction to it? Uh, you know, being around him every day, you know, he definitely was a guy who, who who's loved football and always has loved football. I know every each situation, you know, a lot of uh, people outside kind of have, might have a certain perception of him. But in all my encounters with him, you know, A.B. was awesome whether it was, you know, on the field and trying to push you to be great and kind of showing the young guys, like, how to work, or whether it was off the field and just genuinely caring about his teammates and interacting with you and just having fun, whether it's in the complex or off the field. So you know, I feel like sometimes you might get a, uh, a, mat, uh, a bad, I guess, assessment, whether it's, you know, kind of self-induced or media-induced. I know it kind of goes both ways. But, I've, you know, I, I want to see him play because – Seeing the type of plays he made daily in practice, you, you know, the talent level is, is absolutely unreal. So, you know, I hope it's not the end for him. I hope he, to see him playing on the football field and competing at a high level and just being the A.B. that we all have come to know and love on a weekly basis, you know, making one-hand spectacular catches week in and week out. So um, I have a lot of love for him, and I appreciate my time in Pittsburgh with him you know, as a mentor for me, and, you know, I hope, I hope he gets you back on the right track, and I hope to see him succeed. All right, man. we got a lot of Tennessee volunteer fans in the area, too. I mean, what in the world is going on Ooh. up there in Knoxville right now? Give them some hope. Uh, what, I mean, Vols fans, gosh, uh, it, it's got to be so hard right now for everybody associated with the program. Yeah, I'm with them. You know, I'm with them. We <laughs> um, just want to see them succeed at the end of the day. It was it was tough. You know, they came, they came right down the street from Jacksonville. I was thinking about going, but I couldn't make it this weekend. But that was that was a tough one to watch. And the, the seniors that were there, they were freshmen when I first got there. Um, they know how special the University of Tennessee is. So uh, as the season progresses, we're just hoping they get it back on the right track. So we, I, I'm watching just like every other ball fan out there on pens and needles week in and week out, and I'm hoping those boys get it back on track, which which I, I, I'm pretty good certainty they will. But um, yeah, we need, a, we need a turnaround represent the orange, especially down here in Florida country. There's gators <laughs> everywhere out here. It's crazy. <laughs> they got a little leg up uh, right now for sure. Uh, Josh Dobbs with us, Jags quarterback. All right, man, we appreciate well, you hanging hey, out. Hey, Brent, oh, you I got one more question what for you, man, got? and this is more out of jealousy than actually a question, but, Josh, I saw that you went to space camp uh, a while back, and you kind of <laughs> you kind of did all those activities. And listen, when hey, I was – I went to space camp as a kid. Okay, well, this is more a more serious space camp, right? Like oh, he was doing yeah. everything, Brent. This is, oh. wasn't just looking at – you know projections and stuff this guy was actually being an astronaut for a little bit all right so i'm going to ask him instead of you okay exactly so here's my question to you joshua dobbs who's who's in better shape astronauts or starting quarterbacks in the nfl uh you know what forget starting quarterback i'm just saying quarterbacks in general in the nfl who's in better shape uh i mean after i will say you know you go on that kind of like the little gyroscope uh the astronaut test where it kind of like spins you in every dimension. Yeah. And like when I got out of that thing, I literally said, I never want to get back on this again. <laughs> so I'd say, I'd say they might have a leg up. Okay. Um, I, especially, you know, 
I, so I got a chance to go to space camp, and then I got a chance to go uh, fly in an F-16. So I got a chance to experience some G-forces, too. Sure. And it was like, we experienced like nine with um, a G-suit, and the astronauts experienced more on launch. So I don't know. I think they might have a couple legs up on us. But, I mean... Hey, you never know. You never know, right? Well, and Josh, a little follow-up, too. So I saw you flying in planes and everything, kind of like Top Gun. If you were to do that, because I'm sure you could, I'm sure you're capable of being a, of a fighter pilot, what would your nickname be uh, for that plane? My call sign? Yeah, your call, call sign. sign. Exactly. See, I don't know what you call it. It's called the call sign. Okay. Yeah, it would be uh, definitely be Astro. Astro. Became, yeah, it was kind of like, it kind of became a nickname a little bit in college, and it's kind of stuck, so. The, uh, the Thunderbirds said after I got through the flight because I made it through no issues. They said they get they accepted me. My call sign is Astro, so I guess it's technically official. There we go. A done deal. Put it down. Right. Put it on the resume. Put Josh, it down. Astro we'll mark it down. We'll mark it down. <laughs> uh, I love it. Hey, I'll tell you something else, Austin. You know what? You What's should up? Try to set up these interviews, right? You text or maybe you talk to the agent. Yeah. Josh handles it himself, and he's the only athlete in 20 years of doing this I've ever talked to. That we communicated through email. Huh? I like the way he does business. I like that, too. Yeah. I like it. I we're, we're always it. open for business. That's how it goes. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> hey, Josh, good catching up with you, man. Thanks for taking some time today uh, on your off day. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Austin. Thanks, Brent, for having All right. me. All right, Astro, it. take it easy, man. <laughs> All right, I'll see you guys. <laughs> there you go, Josh Astro Dobbs. Cool guy, huh? I mean, good That stuff. was great, good man. I, I thought you were kidding. Like, when you said space camp, like, I thought you meant, you know, I seriously went to space camp when I was in, like, fifth grade. Oh, no, for sure. Yeah, like, no, you I meant, was. Like, you went, like, recently. Dude, yeah, he. I'm, I'm talking like he did the whole astronaut training thing. So that, that was kind of interesting to hear about that a little bit. Can you, come on, Brent. You know me, man. I always do my research. I know you do yeah. your research. But when you brought up space camp, I thought you were talking about, like, <laughs> Kind of no, no, this is uh, this is the grown man space camp, if you will. So, so basically, what we've got here is a guy who studied rockets, throws rockets, and after this is done, could build rockets. Exactly, yeah. man. Hey, exactly. There's no better way to put a bow on that segment than the way Scott just did. So let's take a oh, time off. Here in Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We'll have our Baker Sports Coach of the Week in the high school ranks, and we'll get uh, back to some Jags thoughts. Plus, Austin Lane on Nelson Aguilar as part of his uh, stay in your lane here on Action Sports. Thanks for hanging with us on a Tuesday. Brent Martineau. You see him every day on CBS 47, Fox 30. Action Sports Jack. Austin Lane. He's a former Jag star and current MMA fighter. Broadcasting live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. So my dad told me the biggest thing was basically you got to put it as Someone's stealing something from you. Uh-huh. So you got to punish them. <laughs> so if they crazy enough to get the ball, then you got to be crazy enough to punish them. That's Quincy Williams, the Jaguars rookie linebacker, last night on Jags Report Live on CBS 47. And if you're just catching on, it's a new show for us, and it's new that we're doing it at Top Golf. But come on out. It's beautiful out there at night. It's a fun show, cool setting. Uh, had some good folks out there, and we'll get some Jags players out there. So, uh, and uh, you can also get a pretty good deal. So Stuart Weber brings that up right now because that's all he cares about. All I care deals. about are deals. Basically, you buy an hour of uh, bay at Top Golf, you know, and, and those bays what fit six folks. Yeah. And you buy a bay, and you get an hour free if you say you're coming to watch the show. So it's a, it's an awesome venue for it. Yes. And uh, hopefully you can come on out. 
Uh, Chris Conley's joined us, Quincy Williams. Uh, I think Chris probably be back again next Monday night. He'll be on a bunch of the shows, and then we'll kind of try to rotate some players around. This Thursday, Jaguars All-Access, Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. Calais Campbell, as always, he'll bring along Josh Allen uh, on Thursday night at 7 o'clock. So two shows to watch uh, and come on out and be a part of and meet some of the Jags players. Monday's at Top Golf at 7 o'clock. Uh, Jags Report Live, you can see it on CBS 47. And then Thursday's at 7 o'clock at Mellow Mushroom in Avondale. That one now on Fox 30. Of course, we've got shows up and down the, the All over the place. On CBS 47. Friday Night Blitz included. And Fox 30. And that does include the Friday Night Blitz. Brett Martin, Stuart Weber here at Streamsong Resort hanging out on a Tuesday. Thanks for being with us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. And Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jacks studios. Hey, man, Josh Dobbs, cool guy. That was fun. That was awesome, man. Uh, I was nervous going into it because he is obviously a smarter man than I ever will be. But uh, I thought we found some, you know, we got some common ground with uh, with astronaut talk. So that was cool. Yeah, astronaut talk. I, Dude, you know, seriously, man, I want to be an astronaut when I was a kid. Like that was my favorite book growing up. I, it was called I Want to Be an Astronaut. But it's all it's all good though. Even though he was on the phone and everything, you're still the smartest man in the room, dude. Yeah, very well, good point. Yep. Next to me in some cardboard cutouts, I got those beat. So, thank you, Scott. It's the little things in life, dude. I'm hey, here to help, brother. Hey, Austin. <laughs> What's smartest up, man? guy, smartest guy you played with. Oh, that's Ooh. a good question. That, that is a good one. Um. Oh, you've put me on the spot here. Yeah, because I'm it's interesting, gonna, you know. Yeah. I thought Gardner Minshew. You think about it, and I'll talk for a minute. Sure, because I can you. do that. Thank you very better much. Better than think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, sometimes, but uh, people say Gardner Minshew picks up the offense. Smart guy, and he is. Yeah. Uh, and I think there has to be in the but, context of being a quarterback. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how much you have to be smart to sure. play the position. I think it certainly helps to be smart. I think processing helps, obviously, uh, reads, how your reads yeah, yeah. And, and reaction time and comfortability. and po- I mean, there's so many different attributes for a quarterback. Yeah. But I do think having the smart certainly helps at that position and probably any position because you can out-savvy people. I also think when you talk about uh, – smarts from the quarterback position, it doesn't necessarily always mean book smart. Right. It doesn't mean I got a 1400 on the SATs or, in Josh Dobbs' case, an aerospace engineering degree. He might have did better than it, mine. And Mitch, he might have, <laughs> Mitch, you, by the way, I thought was fantastic. He's like, hey, I'm just a communications guy. Right. I belong in this room with you guys. I can't stay in that room with, with Josh. So <laughs> I think there are different levels of smarts and how it's utilized. And then the next part of that, and sometimes, I think the tricky part for a guy like Dobbs, who's a very intelligent young man and can process everything fast and can learn everything fast is to kind of understand that not everybody can, you know, and not everybody is as smart as that. And they might... I feel that quite often in the Action Sports Jacks (laughs) office. (laughs) But, and by the way... Just what I'm doing. And and, and you know what? In that world, that is a challenge for people who are bright is to say, hey, okay, this person learns a different way or is smarter at doing it this way. Or what's the age-old thing, right? Book smart versus street smart. Yep. And sometimes book smart's really good and sometimes street smart's really good. So I, I think it's a, a, in great context with uh, being a quarterback and being a football player. And then there's one other aspect, as I'm giving you plenty of time to think about this. Also. Oh, I have it. Don't worry. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think there's one other part of this, and, and that is if – I don't know if you grew up this way, Austin, but when I grew up, uh, and, I'm, and it's only about a decade difference, but I think that that might be a difference in this context. Okay, hit me it with was, it. You know, especially football players, um, and I think unfairly, but I'm just saying especially football players, known as the dumb jock syndrome. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, I think 
guys like Dobbs and, and Minshew talking and whoever else, and there's it doesn't have to be a quarterback, there's great examples of it, that don't fit that and kind of erase that stereotype, which is really cool. And I think that's actually a stereotype that's gone away. Yeah. In my lifetime, I think I've seen that stereotype about football players yeah. and really about sports people kind of go away. And very few people use that anymore, unless I'm missing it. But I don't so, hear that as much anymore. Yeah, you know... Um I kind of share that same philosophy, Brim, because even when I was going to college, uh, actually, I, I made it a habit never to wear, like, my Murray State gear out in public. You know, it's like we had, like, shirts, like, you know, Murray State football. I never wore those out in public because I didn't want to come across as just, you know, the, the poor typical dumb jock. Because I would rather be known for who I, who I am off the field uh, as opposed to who I am on the field. And, and I actually did well, the same thing. Was, and it was 1 o'clock in the bar. but Well, yeah, that's a good point, too, Brent. <laughs> uh, well, hey, we didn't have bars at Murray State. We had house parties. Pay attention. Okay, it was a dry go. county. But uh, also, I kind of made the same thing um, uh, habit in Jacksonville, where I wouldn't wear like my Jaguars gear out in public because, number one, I just didn't want to be recognized, even though I had you know a beard and dread, so that was kind of stupid. <laughs> but like I always wanted to yeah. come across as more than just... Just a football player. So, like, even on Twitter, um, I almost like would joke around about being a football player. Actually, than just you know commenting all the time. Like, oh, you know, I'm feeling super blessed today. I woke up, got a good workout, and like that was never my style. So, yes, I always try to portray more than being a football player. And I, and I think guys these days, Brent, do that very well. It's funny. I wear all my action news stuff out everywhere, so I do get recognized. <laughs> I don't. Go, I don't man. get. I don't get how that works. Hey, I don't Twitch their own. He's shameless. That's what it is. <laughs> Twitch their own. <laughs> all right. So answer the question, man. Yeah. Who's the smartest player that you played with oh, that you is, can this remember? This is easy. Yeah. So this person's talent. Uh, and this was my second year, so 2011. Guy by the name of Austin Pastor. He nice. was an offensive tackle. And, you know, usually like when we do like our shows for like the rookies, you know, they have to come up and do a town. Or usually they, they sing a song or they have to put on a skit. He was the math guy, wasn't he? Yeah. So Austin comes up in the, in the middle, uh, you know, of the meeting room. And it, it's, it's a very intimidating place, you know, because if we don't like you, it's like Showtime at the Apollo. We will boo <laughs> you. We will call you every single name in the book. And we will embarrass you. Yeah. So Austin gets up. And I forgot who was with him, but it was like a vet. And the vet had a calculator. And Austin just goes, anybody just throw out, you know, four numbers, and then I'll, I'll, I'll multiply those numbers by, you know, three or four numbers, and I'll tell you the answer. So, like, we literally just spent, like, 20 minutes just giving him, like, all right, what's 222 times 1,025? And he could come up with it, like, like that, like, like a computer. It wow. was absolutely insane, and we couldn't stump him. And then he also got to the point, like the last segment that we did it. I mean, we were already impressed. No, no need to do an encore. All of a sudden, he goes, <laughs> "I can do it with decimal points too," and like that just like blew my mind away. So definitely, Austin Pastor um, was the smartest man I ever played football with. We wow. did we did that segment. Yeah, way. we did. I remember we that. had him on yeah, a whiteboard a and had him uh, had him do some quick math for us. That's a good point, yeah. man. And and uh, hey, uh, collectively, offensive linemen usually are the smartest, aren't they? Uh, see, it, there's a fine line. Yeah, they're or is smart, that a bad uh, stereotype? No, too. but they're also grimy, man. Like, oh, they're, they're nasty, man. They, yeah. yeah, they're they're the nastiest dudes in the locker room, but also some of the smartest. So, I don't know. It's it's a fine line. Like, s sometimes you're dealing with Goodwill Hunting, and sometimes you're dealing with like Ben Affleck's character in Goodwill Hunting. So, it is what it is. Oh, you yeah, like them apples? apples. Yeah, nice. them apples. Yeah, and s sometimes you're a janitor and you're actually a genius. So who knows? <laughs> That's great. That's a great analogy. Yeah. 
Yeah. The, you know, the offensive line, they are an interesting breed, man. Dude, they're, <laughs> um, yeah. They're, they really uh, are. I mean, they're because, the unsung like, heroes, and they're definitely interesting. They're unsung heroes, and they, like, you're right. They have smarts. They're interesting, a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, like, unique backgrounds. Uh, I mean, Eben, right? We talk yeah. about Eben Britton all the time, man. I mean, yeah. he's an interesting cat. Very cool story. Uh, all these different angles to it. Brad Meester Yet, was an awesome story. Yeah. But, but, you know, and Brad's probably an outlier. Yeah, cause because he, he's not really that odd. Yeah. Like, the, no. the rest of them, I'm not saying odd in a bad way, but you're just interesting. And the, the cool thing about offensive linemen, I don't know if they're trained this way, is, and they just don't want the recognition. Like, you know, they don't want to answer questions. They don't want to be in the spotlight. Very few of them that I've run across is kind of like me, me, me. Uh, and you've run into a lot more, Austin, so maybe yeah. you, you run well, into some and that's just a facade. No, you're absolutely <laughs> right. And then that's kind of ingrained uh, in you even as, like, a Pop Warner kid. Like, I remember, you know, I was one of the bigger kids in Pop Warner, and they wanted me to play offensive tackle. Well, they did that. I go home the next day, and, and I cry my eyes out because I did not want to play offensive tackle. <laughs> I wanted to score touchdowns. And any kid, you know, in Pop Warner wants to score the touchdown. So I think, you know, it's definitely a special thing where you have to – Forgo the glory, you know, and you have to forgo your name getting called or your name getting written written down in the paper, and you just have to do it for the love of the team, and then that kind of grows with you from Pop Warner to middle school to high school, etc. So it's definitely a special breed where they're not out to, you know, get the spotlight and everything like that. They just kind of go about their business and still make a pretty good amount of money doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, that's a good segue for a quick thought before we get to our Baker Sports Coach of the Week. And do you think they'll get this run game going? In Jacksonville, yeah. I mean, will they find a way? Will they review the tape, change the attitude? Uh, what I mean, how do you do it, man? I mean, yeah. you, got, you got your five guys. Maybe you play a sixth or a seventh. You figure that out. And they're very good in pass protection so far in three games. But they can't run the football. They can't seem to move people. Uh, how do you change midstream after you've been working in the spring and in August to try to perfect the run game? And, and now it's anything but perfect. Yeah, you know, it's funny because... It's not a lack of talent, right? Like Norwell coming out of Carolina was touted as like this, you know, this big run blocking lineman. And Juan Taylor, you know, we always hear the, the words mauler when he was coming out of college. He's a mauler. He's, a, he's aggressive. He's physical. So when you have those type of guys on offensive line, talent's not the issue, you know. And in terms of run blocking, Brent, I always say this. It's more of an attitude. It's more of a mindset than it really is technique. Like, yeah, you have to do your first steps. You can't fall a step. You have to have the good hand placement. Lower man's going to win, all that stuff, yada, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, it just comes down to having that mentality. And for whatever reason, uh, you haven't seen that from the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive lineman. Now, the good thing about that is sometimes – you can let a spark in some guys, right? If you're if you're a position coach, if you're the coordinator, you know you you get on those guys, you chew them out a little bit, and and you you make them you know be accountable. And if you do that, then it can you know it can snowball into success. So it, it, it's not a technique thing, it's not a lack of talent thing. I think it's just a, a lack of aggressiveness, and that's something that that, that can be cleaned up uh, through practice. Hopefully, uh, they can put that together against Denver. And one other thought, and and this is. Uh, yes sounds like an excuse, and that's fine. You can interpret it as an, as an excuse. I'm not here to make excuses for anybody. It doesn't do me any good. But I've learned this early on covering the NFL, and I think the New York Giants were a great example of this. And I learned two things by covering the New York Giants when they were not so good and then got good and then won two Super Bowls. 
And one was you can never draft enough defensive linemen and, and yeah. pass rushers, and, and that's what they did. Because I can tell you the temperature back then was, what are they doing? Why are they taking Justin Tuck? Why are they picking um, OCU Minora? What They've got Michael Strahan. They don't need more of this. And they just kept picking them and picking them and picking them. And, well, you know what happened. They were able to, to win a couple of Super Bowls with those yeah, guys. Yeah, they did okay. But the other one is they had a group of offensive linemen that were not very good early on uh, before the like the 2007, 8 through 11 seasons. And they weren't playing that well, at least. Mm-hmm. Well, they ended up staying together for a couple of years, and they stuck with those guys. And they ended up being pretty good. And why? Because, well, communication, continuity chemistry, whatever you want to say, it's important at that position. The Jaguars have had no chance to do that, Austin, this this season. This preseason, they haven't had anybody uh, available that still is on that line. So these are the first times they're playing together in practices and really in football games. And a part of that was on their own, too, right? They yeah. didn't do a lot in the preseason in terms of reps. But I do think the continuity, that chemistry, the communication is a real thing on that offensive line. And the Jaguars hopefully can get better in that aspect the more they play together. No, that's an absolute great point, Brent. Whether it was, you know, Juwan Taylor being held a little bit, Cam Robinson nursing that knee and uh, kind of getting a late start to training camp. Yes, they haven't had really like their, their you know, first team look a lot uh, during training camp. We kind of saw the same thing with defensive line too, right? Where some defensive linemen were hurt the first couple games and maybe they weren't playing their best. Well, they come out against Tennessee and have a much better game with a healthy lineup now. And I think especially in the trenches, like you mentioned, where communication is so important, where being on the same page, um, you know, and just playing together is so important. Uh, once you once you have that kind of camaraderie, that's when you can have some success. Absolutely. Uh, let's uh, get our Baker Sports Coach of the Week in real quick because we got our high school football guru, Stuart Weber, who actually Hello. is working on the Friday Night Blitz for this week. Yeah. And our game of the week this week will be Nice at Mandarin. Mandarin's lost a couple of games, the defending state champions. But uh, first, our Baker Sports Coach of the Week, and this is a cool story. Yeah, uh, Lynn Shell is the interim head coach at Rebolt for the Trojans. Those who don't know, uh, coach and AD, uh, the two different folks, uh, were let go literally days before the start of the high school football season. Uh, they turned to Lynn Shell to be the interim head coach. Uh, they took some lumps early on, lost a couple games, uh, but they've had some time to kind of gel to to learn kind of how he wants things done and and to do it the the Lynn Shell way. And the Lynn Shell way in in this scenario is winning because they came and upset the Sandalwood Saints with you know with a quarterback who's going to FSU with a ton of great prospects. The Reball Trojans uh, went to their house and got the win. Uh, 21 to 14 last week. So big win for Rebolt. Big win for Lynn Shell, the interim head coach there, who is our Baker Sporting Goods coach of the week. By the way, and uh, I, I guess we could still give it out. To, there's a lot of different coaches you can give it out to. Sure. Uh, Daryl Sutherland was last week as Bartram continues to do well, and they got the big they win over Mandarin. Still, yeah. yeah, they stay undefeated in that difficult district, and things will will still remain difficult on their schedule. Eked but one out about, over St. Augustine too. Yeah, this how about Pontevedra? Yeah, undefeated, Jeff DeSandro. Yeah, and Toblin left there to go to bowls, and I think there was a lot of thought that, uh-oh, could it fall apart until they figure things out because they had some people go to bowls with Toblin and leave Pontevedra. Well, they're four and zero, man. Yeah, good, good for Coach DeSandro. And you know, there are some big tests still to come on that schedule for that team. Uh, but you know, you play the ones that are in front of you, 
and you handle your business, and that's exactly what they've done, going and getting those victories. And I was at their game on Friday night as they went down to a you know a solid Menendez team, a team that's uh, really improved over the past five years and now has themselves as one of the better teams in St. John's County. And Ponte went down there into that environment and won a won a battle, won a, a test. A, you know, it was a defensive slugfest. I will say yeah, that they pulled out some close games. Yeah, it was a close game. It was it was a good game. And and Ponte went down there and got the win. So great, great for Coach DeSandro as well to to lead that team to an undefeated mark at this point. Hey, thanks to Baker Sports for helping us out with our high school initiative and our game of the week action sports acts on ESPN 690. Homegrown, ready to help the home team look good on Friday nights and every night in any sport. Baker Sports has been doing that since 1997. They'll get you ready for your big game, looking good so you can play good. Play ball with your team experts at Baker's Sports. All right, man, Austin Lane, when we come back, let's do a little stay in your lane to finish the show. And you know what? I almost forgot. It's happy hour horn time around here at Scream Song Resort. Shot and tip your star tenders. Yeah, Vita Dilloway, locally owned tequila in Jacksonville, wants to help our friends in the Bahamas, by the way. Go to VitaDilloway.com. 50% of all the merchandise will go to those funds. Made in tequila, Mexico, shipped directly to Jack's Beach. Vita Dilloway, one of the smoothest tequilas you will ever taste. And once again, check them out at VitaDilloway.com. Any of the merchandise, 50% of the funds will go to our friends in the Bahamas and help raise money for the Treasure Key Relief Fund and Hope Town Rising. When we come back, stay in your lane with Austin, and we'll put a bow on the show on a Tuesday, Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, live from Stream Song Resort. Stage is amazing, and then my first actual NFL because I didn't play preseason, so my first actual NFL game was in front of everyone, and then they actually called my name out, and I got to run out. It was amazing. It was like everything I dreamed about, but ten times better. That's Quincy Williams last night on Jags Report Live. Top Golf, 7 o'clock Monday nights on CBS 47. Come on out and join the show back home in Jacksonville. By the way, Austin, he was talking about Murray State. Going from Murray State to the big time in the NFL. You bet. Pretty cool, his description of that, when he ran out of that tunnel and got to see that home crowd on a Thursday night especially. All right, take it away for staying in your lane. we yeah. got a couple minutes. So I didn't even share this, but um, it's funny you brought that part up about running out the tunnel. So when I left the football, when I left the game, Brent, you know, I, I've never really said I missed the game at all. Um, um, but for whatever reason, standing on the sidelines, you know, because I had like the field passes, because you you 
you gave me the pass, so thank you for doing that. But um, really the first time just like watching those guys go through the warm-ups and everything and it wasn't 100 degrees outside in training camp, first time I actually missed playing football. It was crazy. Oh, really? Yeah, the, the first time I in four or five years. Back. No, absolutely not. We're all happy there. But I'm just saying it was. Uh, it's funny how those Thursday night lights sometimes can kind of do that to you a little That's bit. That's great, man. You should miss it, by yeah. the way. That's yeah, good. for sure. Okay, so cruise control. Uh, Brent, it's the NFL, man, and this year has been nothing but distractions and entitled players. Uh, it seems no matter where you turn, someone's bad-mouthing a guy for holding out or wanting a trade. But Nelson Aguilar um, is showing everybody that in the NFL, it's not about just me, 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 me. Let's go back to the video that we shared yesterday to try to set the scene a little bit. Scott, you got that video? One of my ex, uh, old co-workers put the ladder off the, off the truck, raised it up, and was sitting people down. My man just started throwing babies out the window. We was catching them, unlike Aguilar. Okay, sick burn. <laughs> Timing was on point, especially in a in a situation like that where babies are flying out of windows and you got to catch them. And the Eagles are one and two. And the Eagles are one and two, so props to that guy. Obviously, he was grilling Aguilar a little bit because Aguilar had a key drop um, in the Eagles' loss to the Lions. Well, uh, a little update on that story now. Nelson Aguilar last night reached out and basically tweeted that he wants to give that guy – uh, who was talking smack about him, basically. He wants to give that guy and his family tickets because he considers that guy a hero um, for, for saving those children. So props to Nelson Aguilar for taking the high road. You know, th- this is a guy who could have talked smack back to the dude, you know, and things like that, but took it upon himself to actually be a class act, offer that guy tickets, um, and things like that. So I I thought That's it was awesome. a great story. That was really cool. Um, I, th- I thought it was a great period to, to end, you know, kind of some trash talking, and hopefully they can uh, end on good terms. That's awesome, man. Uh, that's yeah. a good, uh, good deal. All right, pump your brakes. Do you have one? Uh, I do have a pump your brakes. Uh, yeah. So, Brent, I'm not sure if you watched the game last night, the Washington Redskins, Chicago Bears. Yeah, Redskins are having a rough start to the NFL season. Their star left tackles holding out. Jordan Reed's been out with another concussion. Uh, His career might be over. Yeah. Um, Parasol, uh, I'm sorry, their they're running back is on IR right now. They start running back. Adrian Peterson's playing. Adrian Peterson's like 70 years old. Um, so during a rough game last night, at least they had something to celebrate, and that was Redskins great London Fletcher being inducted to the Ring of Honor. Only problem was that when they are inducting him into the Ring of Honor on the giant jumbotron, they proceeded to spell his name wrong. Hey Redskins, let's get it together a little oh bit. Boy. Oh let's boy. Let, let's not induct maybe, a guy into the Ring of Honor and spell his name wrong. Thanks. Maybe play, maybe play Dwayne Haskins and that will fix everything. Maybe. All right. <laughs> hey, we gotta go. We're late getting out of here. Streamsongresort.com. We'll be back here tomorrow. Check it all out. You can sign up for the Streamsong Fall Classic three day event if you're a big golfer. Check it out. Streamsongresort.com. Not just about golf, but a lot of other things. A fun day here at Streamsong for Austin Lane, Jason Fitz, Joshua Dobbs, Marcel Robinson, Stuart Weber. I'm Brent Martin. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for hanging with us on ESPN 690. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.